Hello and welcome to the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast slash the Legendary Upside Podcast slash the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. This is our third crossover episode to discuss our consensus dynasty rankings. I'm Jacob Anderson. I'm here with Pat Corain. I'm here with Davis Maddock. And are you boys ready to talk about some running backs today? I'm I just really ready to argue about Najee Harris. I think oh, it's yeah. going to be good times. Yeah. Yeah, I was in, I wandered into the ship chasing draft last night. Uh, I think it was even before you guys went live. A couple people in the comment section were asking if I would take Najee Harris that listened to our episode last week where it was teased that I was thinking about Najee. Uh, Pat said I might need to think a little harder about Najee Harris. Uh, pleased to report that I did draft Najee Harris last night in the best ball <laughs> draft for the bit. Uh, so, We'll see. We will talk about Najee Harris shortly, but maybe before we talk about Najee Harris, so I don't think any of us have an RB1 overall, uh, we can start maybe not even at the top because we actually talked about Bijan Robinson in our rookie-focused episode, but maybe I'll ask well, this. We don't need to talk about Bijan, the player, yeah. but we need to talk about where Bijan and McCaffrey are in the overall, I think. Because I think we went pretty deep into Bijan, the the guy and the trade value and stuff, but I think we should get into what what just what it means, even in a startup, when you're taking a running back with probably your first pick. Absolutely. So if people, uh, if, if by chance this is your first episode of these Dynasty Rankings pods that people listen to, this is our third. We talked about the rookies. We talked about the wide receivers. Today is the running backs. And we're talking about it in the context of our overall rankings, which is a consensus of the three of our individual Dynasty rankings. Um, and so, yeah, let's talk about Bijan in the grand scheme of things. We have Bijan in our leg up rankings. Um, I see that we have him at, I believe, eight. So we have him behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but we have him right in the middle of that second tier of elite quarterbacks of Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so I think just for, so we're on the same page, I think formatted rankings is the one that is pulling in the average rankings? of our ranks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was looking at the leg up rankings. Formatted rankings is the one? That's the one that's just purely averaging our three ranks which is, I think, okay. the best way to look at this right now. Is there a formatted overall? I'm only seeing running backs right now. On this well, I, I filtered down to running backs, but uh, oh, I don't I see. do that. Okay. Um, yes, that is true. Um, although, I think what I said is still accurate. We have Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, then Bijan Robinson, just ahead of Justin Fields. Um, so he's in that, in that second-tier group with those quarterbacks. Is that where you would take him in a startup? That's maybe my question about Bijan is how I value him in trades is differently than how I value him in a startup. That's, I mean, that's really the, and we're going to keep coming back to this in, you know, I don't think any of us have a hard out today. So who even knows how long we could possibly go. Um, the thing with Bijan is I don't object to where, I mean, obviously uh, I ranked him ninth, the same as Pat, but I do think it would be very hard to take him there to be sitting at the clock yeah, I did at too, 109 and be like, you know, you'd become the annoying guy who's like, anyone want to trade that? Uh, anyone want to trade up? You know, the startup guy, startup guy who's always trying to trade down. Uh, and the worst startup like, guy is the guy who trades up to nine and then's like taking offers, taking yeah, offers. Oh, that's the worst startup yes. guy. Yeah, that is that's, the worst Mike, that's Michael Leone. If you've ever been in a startup with Leone, he's like, he'll Wait, make what? a move. Oh, so if you're he in a does startup the post trade. 
uh, on Leone, the block. Leone's pretty be, respectful, though. He doesn't, like, there's some yes. guys who will just, like, then sit on the clock for, like, five hours after trading oh, up for the pick. Leone will, will post in the group me, and he'll be like, I traded up for this. I'll, I'll sit for an hour. I'll send some trades out. I'll take some offers. But Leone's just always making the micro moves right. in a startup. Oh man, that yeah, the people who do that is rough. I the also the worst to me. Actually, I think this triggers me even more than the people who move up and sit on the clock is when someone takes a player and then is like, if you anybody wants the guy I just took, send your offers. It's like you're like <laughs> saying it's like oh I got that guy, that guy's worse. Dude, that guy's you guys, worse. That guy's you just funny. Straight up take the guy that I just took. It's like if the clock's moving again, you can send whatever dumb message you want. I just, I hate, I hate I'm holding the room hostage until someone pays me more than what no, I just paid. I would rather be held hostage than have like, than give that person the satisfaction of us all being like, oh, wow, you did get a steal on Bijan. I better load up the truck and send you it off. It drives me nuts. I get so tilted by it. Um, do you guys think Bijan could actually appreciate though? Like yeah. if, if. Yes. He starts the season and Algier is just like not involved and Ritter looks competent. Like, could there be, could, could we, could Bijan actually have just like immediately the, like the legendary upside role? He's getting like six targets a game. He's getting every goal line carry. Like, I, how, how possible is that? I, I haven't even really thought about it. Like, I'm higher than Bijan on the market because I just feel like I'm always taking him in the first round of best ball. Feels like the room is just always just giving me Bijan. I don't know why that is. But, like, could he be better than McCaffrey, even not considering it, just straight up be scoring more points than McCaffrey? I don't even think you need that for him to appreciate a lot in value because what you what you really need is the setup season where he looks good, he looks like a, a pass catcher. The Falcons throw a little bit more so that enough to support, you know, like three and a half, maybe even four receptions to a running back a game. Um and they get quarterback like semi figured out either Ritter's better than we think, or they get a, a new veteran starter in. And then what you need on top of that, I think for him to really appreciate in value is Brees Hall does not look the same coming off the ACL. The Colts are a disaster with this new rookie quarterback. McCaffrey looks like he's in decline. Uh, Gibbs isn't what we were hoping. He's, he's more of a satellite back. Uh, Saquon continues to decline a little bit. Austin Eckler turns like, 29 30 uh i mean at that point like he's the only viable running back so i think that alone would would cause him to to move up yeah i think if if you look at last year's startups right jonathan taylor jamar chase i almost said jamar jefferson who i believe is like a seventh round pick of the detroit lions a couple years ago he's not on the roster anymore no, Sean, Sean, jamar Sean chase him. and Sean justin jefferson i also love jamar jefferson uh, rest in peace but uh jonathan taylor was going basically interchangeably with chase and jefferson last year in the first round of startups um and so uh, to me it's it seems fairly clear that if Bijan robinson is to reach those same heights quite quickly i don't really see why he wouldn't be able to assume that same kind of position i feel like for as long as i've been playing dynasty which isn't super long but every year people say like the market's never going to value running backs as highly again like they figured it out we're done with running backs and like it's never been true like it's 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 always true on like a macro level to some extent where we're we're less interested in the individual running backs that we used to be very interested in but then there's new, young, fresh running backs that immediately right. we get really, really interested in again. Like, so I, I just don't think that it's 
it's true that Bijan's ceiling is capped below those top wide receivers if he comes out and he's scoring 20 points per game. And I think it's very possible that he is. Like we've seen out of Saquon, we've seen out of Zeke. Um, I mean, frankly, we've even seen not to the same scoring level, but in terms of a workload level, we've seen it out of Najee Harris, where he's recently when teams are drafting these running backs the first round, they're getting loaded up. And to me, Bijan is obviously a clearly superior prospect to a Najee Harris, to a Leonard Fournette. Like I, I think that he has that upside to, to produce the efficiency to produce in all phases. Um, like, I don't know. Would anybody be shocked if he's the RB1 overall this year? I, I think it's like well within his range of outcomes. No, I, I think he should be considered like plus 150 maybe to be the overall RB1. Like just transpose Tyler Algier's workload in an offense that's like 10% better, but Bijan is like 70% better than Tyler Algier. Like it's not even – that's not even a, close – to uh, an outlandish scenario. He he could, I mean, he could lead the NFL in touches in an offense that is like pretty good at running the ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been looking at some stuff, um, some of the NFL next-gen stats, and it, Tyler Algier was good last year. He he was good in rush yards over expected, uh, which is a, a metric I really like over there. He uh, uses the player tracking data, and he was good in success rate, which just is rush yards over expected, but did you... Did you achieve positive or did you achieve negative, right? It's uh, kind of caps big play and just looks at consistency. He was great in that metric too, but so was Caleb Huntley. So was Corderell Patterson. This was an offense that was actually like very efficient at running the ball, um, even though teams knew they were going to run the ball. So I think you'll probably see efficient play out of Bijan. Uh, he wasn't elite. Pro- he was a truly elite prospect. So I think, you know, whether or not he finishes at the RB1, I, I think he's a big favorite to be the RB1 off the board in 2024 league yeah, draft leagues. I agree. Right? I, think I agree. It's like, it's like how, that's an awesome way of putting it. It's like how DeAndre Swift, like, kind of like he had some good games, he had some flashes and stuff, and people were just like falling all over themselves to draft him in the second round after he was like pretty good as a rookie. And I expect Bijan to be way better than that mostly because i don't expect him to be feuding with his running back coach i mean we'll talk about gibbs in a second but that's totally right like people will do anything for these young running backs like and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but betting on running backs to accrue in value from year one to year two that are highly drafted that have pedigree is like one of the safest possible bets in in dynasty like you're Javante Williams split a backfield for an entire year with Melvin Gordon, and he was awarded the number two overall ADP in like February of that year. Uh, Miles Sanders was was a, an extraordinarily in demand asset coming off his rookie year. Josh Jacobs was sprinting to the top of the running back ranks off his rookie year, which proved wrong, and then it eventually proved right. But like you, Carryon Johnson was like an extraordinarily oh in demand asset Johnson. off his rookie year. Like it's it's just unless you like. No offense to to Pat, close your ears, but unless you Ronald Jones it as a rookie, like you will be beloved by the dynasty community entering year two, most likely. Hey, still beloved by some of us. <laughs> That's true. Um, maybe this is the question: is how like I think all of us clearly have Bijan RB one overall. I think mostly in a in a tier of one, but how if you had Bijan Robinson and someone was to offer whoever you have at RB2 in your rankings, like how much would you need? Would you need a full first-round pick? Would you need a first-round pick plus? How large is the gap between Bijan and the rest of the pack? 
it's sort of like the issue is is if you have Bijan on a team right now, that probably indicates your your team was really shitty. Like you just had the one on one. So what is McCaffrey doing for you? Let's let's, let's say that you traded for Bijan. Tra- traded you, for you, well, actually I did this. Yeah. So actually I'm in this scenario. I'm in a league where I did I traded up. I packaged up from the this was before the draft from the 108 to the 101 um, with Leone. I if I could get. So I have Bijan. If someone offered me McCaffrey and then they offered me, like, you know, a wide receiver three-ish type, like a guy who I could, you know, count on points, but he's he's not a guy who's, like, really going to appreciate. Um, uh, George Pickens, right? George, I think that's a good one, right? So they, they say McCaffrey and Pickens for Bijan. That's if assuming I'm trying to score points this year and next year, I think that seems right. Give me Bijan. See, I there. think I'm. Yeah, I'm taking Bijan there. Like I think I want. So is that your is that your RB two Davis McCaffrey? Every yes. time I try to guess these things, I screw up the sheet. So I feel like it's better to ask you directly. That's yes. that's your two. And who's who's yours, Pat? Brees. I believe I also have Brees, and I also have Taylor ahead of McCaffrey. What's is it is McCaffrey? Take just based on like you're already investing a lot in running backs, so just take the guy who scores the most, Davis. He's gonna score so many more points than these other guys over the next two seasons, right? I, I just I just think that's I just think that's true. And maybe it's not. Maybe my maybe my prior is wrong and we see McCaffrey slow down, we see him be in the timeshare with uh Elijah Mitchell, you know, whatever, right? Like those those things are possible. And you know, it's it's hard. I am I am more of uh, I I have a, a more pessimistic viewpoint of Brees Hall than both of you. This has come up many times. That's true. Where where the knee injury, I just think the fact that I expect him to not be active, not playing for Week One for the Jets, that that just sort of in a a more nebulous way, it just opens up problems. Now, is is in a vast majority of the timelines, is Brees Hall going to be fine? Comes back in Week Four looks incredible is ripping off, you know, 19 fantasy points per game. Sure. But McCaffrey, I, I don't have to do any of that guesswork. He just is going to score well, do a, a little. shit ton of fantasy points. You do a little because he's so old because he's 27 years old. So when you head into 2024 drafts, if McCaffrey doesn't score a shitload of points this year, he's going to lose a lot of value because he's going to be 28 years old. Right. That's, it's, it's pretty simple, right? Like he yeah. has no, to continue you, to crush. You are right. Yeah. So to me with Brees, like, yeah, it feels risky because he's coming off a torn ACL, but he's like, isn't he still 21 years old as we sit here today? I mean, he's really young. He just turned 22. So he's he's really young. Um, And, you know, I think you can have, it, it probably can't be quite as bad as like the Dobbins comeback, but if it's like Dobbins plus he's used more as a receiver and at the end of the season, he, he like looks like he's finally back. He's going to lose value from this for sure, but he's not, it's not going to like, he's going to crater. We're going to kind of talk ourselves back into. He's definitely not going to go to zero. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he'd still be, you know, I don't know. He'd be like in the fifties. It'd be like like the Barkley situation from a couple years ago. Right. Right. Like he was right. Like, and and that's how I kind of felt about, I felt a lot different about Barkley when he was in his first year post ACL terms from a buying perspective than I did Dobbins or Javante. And I feel the same way about Brees, which is just with 
with Barkley, like my level of confidence that he would once again become a highly thought of asset was very high. So I was like, I'm just going to buy now. If it dips further or whatever, I'm not going to sell him. I'm just going to all just buy now. And if he comes back strong off the ACL, great. If he dips and I eat a loss, it'll just be temporary. And then I'm just going to keep buying more. And then hopefully we'll get the payoff in two years, which we did last year. Um, that's kind of how I feel about with Brees. Like, I, I don't know if this is going to be a great year for Brees Hall, but I'm, I'm not going to be interested in selling. Like, I, I just think he's so foundational. I guess I'm just not worried about what happens around him. Whereas like for Javante Williams, I have more concerns. And I think that the price difference is warranted in that like he has to, if he's bad this year, like if he has a Dobbins year this year, like then I would still be panicking all next off season about like, are the Broncos going to bring in a free agent? Are they going to draft somebody? Like what's going to happen? Like maybe they bring in someone to supplement Brees Hall. I just think a, a healthy Brees Hall is, is such a transcendent talent that I, I just think he eventually will defeat all comers as long as he's able to get back to health at some point. And, and I mean, it would be really surprising if he's just dust for life, right? Like maybe he's not that good this year, but I, I think in 2024, like he's probably fine. Yeah, it's a clean ACL tear. Like this is not the type of injury that, you know, a super young player, it, it really derails the career. Um, I mean, people talk about Adrian Peterson as kind of the, the prime example, which he is, but, you know, Jamal Charles also came back off an ACL tear. Like we do have, you know, it can be a, a devastating injury. I'm not trying to d completely dismiss it, but Hall has shown something that Javante has not, you know, Hall, Hall kind of flashed the, oh my God, this guy's like the next guy. And Javante's always been a little bit of a projection and it wasn't a clean ACL tear for Javante. So I think he'll probably struggle a bit more this year. So I agree that the price difference is totally warranted. And then where, where do, um, well, I, I want to say this on McCaffrey, actually. I, I forgot to add this. Like, So we're doing these best ball drafts, right? Half PPR. Christian McCaffrey goes almost interchangeably with Cooper Cup in terms of the top of the draft. And I understand that there's like wide receiver avalanche um, effects to that where people are really worried about the scarcity of the position. It's notable to me that in PPR dynasty, two guys that I, I think it's probably reasonable to say have a similar amount of years remaining in most uh, most scenarios, just when you consider the positional difference between them. Christian McCaffrey, 205 right now in Dynasty ADP, RB2. Cooper Cup, 403, wide receiver 14. And I feel like your output from these guys over the rest of their career in terms of elite scores is pretty similar. I, like, I, I, I struggle to invest in McCaffrey right now vis-a-vis -vis some of the elite veteran wide receivers. So I feel like you're kind of getting a similar use case out of at a, at a considerably lower opportunity cost. I mean, I, I agree with that logic wholeheartedly. Uh, we, we did, I mean, we did like 30 minutes on yeah. Cooper Cup in our wide receiver episode, so we don't need to go super deep into it. But the, uh, I mean, McCaffrey is no different in the sense of the, you know, when, when you look at the bell curve, the bell curve looks nice. But the, all, the, the, the great likelihood is that Chris McCaffrey is going to be awesome, just going to be spitting out fantasy points, scoring touchdowns, catching passes, you know, doing it, looking awesome in Shanahan's offense. And then one day he's going to get up and he's not going to feel quite right. And that's just going to be it. You know, he's going to be, he's going to be sent off to uh, the glue factory, like every other running back that gets too old. Um, now you could, you could certainly talk yourself into the, well, McCaffrey, you know, his game's not based on speed and he's creative and he can use him as past. Like you could do those mental gymnastics with yourself, but I don't, I don't. What's that like, impression? 
like I'm dynasty curious, guy. This is this that's, dynasty guy. That's 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 dynasty guy who's who's thinking about. To me, thinking. that just kind of sounded like Pete doing a Davis impression. For for the audio listeners, Davis put on a red hat for that bit. Yeah. The the uh, Pete Pete has made this point before, which is that when I'm doing an impression, really what I'm doing is just people doing. Other I'm doing an impression, impression of, you. of me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so so that's what that's what that was. I mean. Okay. Maybe maybe McCaffrey gets you know eight extra games out of at once he's out of juice because he can play on third downs or whatever, but it's not yeah. it's not materially different than like well, I just think that's I think that's such a silly argument to not your argument but but the the fake impression of you dynasty guys um, straw man argument is that like the whole point of McCaffrey is that he is like scoring way way more than everybody else. So as soon as somebody then comes with their secondary argument and it's like. Yeah, but when he's 29, he'll still get 15 points per game as a pass down special. So it's like, okay, I don't care. Like, I'm not drafting McCaffrey for his, the James White era of his career. Like, I'm drafting McCaffrey yeah. for him yeah. scoring way more than everybody else. And like, once that ceases to be true, then then he becomes overpriced. So like, I'm I'm fine. Like, I have no problem with investing in, in superstar talent. McCaffrey is obviously that. But I, I always just find that secondary argument about like McCaffrey, and I've seen it with Kamara too. Um, that that it's like. It's just less compelling to me because I, I don't feel like I want to invest in elite veterans for the possibility that they become high-end RB2s. Yeah, I mean, yes. Aaron Jones is past pick 100 in our rankings. And Aaron Jones, right. like, still has, you know, a little bit left for sure. But he, he like, more... scored a lot of points last year, relatively yeah. speaking. Yeah, and he's, he's still not... great at football. Like, he's still a super efficient, awesome player. Yep, but he is not Christian McCaffrey in terms of his workload. And that's that's... That's how you lose a ton of value. Like if I offered you, you know, a late first on top of Aaron Jones to get Christian McCaffrey, you'd be like, no, you'd be like, dude, get out of here. Go away. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know that that you would like send a counter. Like it's just once the, once the workload goes for McCaffrey, which it could, it could go this season. You know, he could be more of an Aaron Jones type of workload player this season. That's on the table. If that were to happen, he loses a ton of value. Um, I, I don't think it's the most likely scenario. I think McCaffrey's probably going to score a ton of points this this year, but you need him to. You need him. Oh, too. for sure. Right. Aaron Jones is a great example. I mean, even at corollary at wide receiver, like you see Hopkins 8-12, Keenan Allen 9-06, Tyler Lockett goes in the 11th round. Like the veterans who score starter points are, are not well received by the dynasty community. Like I'm trying the, the to trade veterans. For, I'm trying to trade substantial value are the elite elites. Yes. I'm trying to trade for Lockett in like every league right now. Yeah. Like just oh, trying to great buy. I'm just trying to get, find people who are like, Oh, you know, who, who really love JSN and like Lockett's still, yeah, that that's totally neither here nor there. Uh, so we haven't talked about Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Let's talk about it. What do we, what do we think the, 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 you know, I mean, basically it'll be a four year marriage between Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson will look like does, does, does both the bear, what are the, both the bear and the bull cases do for Jonathan Taylor's? You you don't want to let me live in the universe where the Colts don't resign him to a $50 million contract. I can't escape to that fantasy land. (laughs) Um, That's, that's, that's my personal dream as a Colts fan. I've just been dreading this reality. Like as soon as Jonathan Taylor was really, really good, I got really excited for about two weeks. And then I was like, oh, my God, we're going to like $60 million. It's horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's going to get he's going to get what Gettleman had set aside for Saquon Barkley. Like whatever, whatever Gettleman yeah. had earmarked for the Barkley extension. That's what Jonathan Taylor's going to get. I, the quick aside here. Uh, 
not that we need more tangents, but I'm going to do it. Sean Siegel had a piece like dating back pre Rotoviz. Like this is like he he had a site, um, always money in the banana stand or always what was money the exact the banana stand. Yeah, yeah. And so he wrote an article. It's like real life football. <laughs> it was like saying that it's actually better because at the time all these teams are drafting running backs super high in the NFL draft. <laughs> it's like it's actually better if you miss completely on the pick. Because then you yeah. don't run the ball a ton and you don't have to pay a running back. Yeah. So hitting on a running back can be now Jonathan Taylor. No, I've, I've around, I think you, you want to hit, but you know. Well, that's the problem. It's like I've all I've I think I've tweeted this exactly before about Taylor. Is is I said, like, there's no way to win on an early running back selection. Cause like either you CH it and you just like spent high draft capital on a bad player at a position that doesn't really matter, or you hit on it in a massive way. And then you wind up shelling out this massive contract and you end up running the ball too much. And it's like, there's yep. just no, there's no good scenario. It's a lose, lose, but for, for, for dynasty, other than. No, it can work out. Ball. You draft, so you draft them. They're great. They're just ripping off 2000 yards and then they suffer a catastrophic oh my God. unrecoverable knee injury. Oh my in God. Four. And then, and then, <laughs> and then, mo- then they morbid as your ship chasing opening about the submarine. <laughs> Uh, what they, what then, then what, what happens, I guess, like if, if they Lawrence Maroney it or Willis McGahee, he was the one who had like the unbelievable knee injury. Then you're that was under... in college. He came back from that. God, I yeah, still but remember. that, but, I but you can be that like, live. that was nuts. Is it, it was nuts. So, but you can just be like, you could be like, sorry, dude, we can't, can't pick up your fifth year option. And, uh, best, best we could do, best we can do is the James Robinson, uh, two years, eight million, no dollars guaranteed contract. So you're saying Barkley missed it by a year. If he had tore his ACL like a year later, then the Giants would be in the draft. Well, no, Barkley. Barkley just ran bad. Barkley just ran bad by Gettleman getting fired. I mean, dude, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, you know that dude Off was punching air when that when he <laughs> saw that tweet. He was like, "This, the New York John Mara just stole my livelihood. Like my, my money just got taken out of my great grandchildren. Like for real mouth. Yeah, yeah." <laughs> Um, all right, that's Eat about that three him. different tangents. Um, Jonathan Taylor's dynasty value <laughs> thoughts. Can I make the Can I make the bull case? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I mean, he was because I'm actually the, the highest on Taylor by one one Are pick. You? I have him at one seventeen. Pick. Jacob has him at eighteen. Davis at twenty eight. So maybe Davis should make the bear case. Um, wow. Yeah. The thing with Jonathan Taylor is that like he can be a receiver. He had the same college yards per out run as Saquon Barkley. Um, now he kind of does it in more of like a Derrick Henry E way, but you know, he can get up field quickly. Um, he's not lumbering. He's explosive. So you can use him in the passing game. However, he is ultimately an elite breakaway runner. That's like what he does. And he's shown no real signs of, you know, not being that guy two years ago. He was off the charts. He's still very young. Um, he's 24 years old. He's now entering a situation where the mobile quarterback um, and a huge mobile quarterback at that is going to draw defensive attention. So he should, like many other running backs before him, benefit on the ground from that dynamic. He also has a coach who I think fully understands how to get an efficient running game from a mobile quarterback, given what we just saw at the Eagles. So it plays to his strengths. Is it going to kind of limit his overall profile a bit? Yeah, it's definitely going to limit his receiving. But that's not really why we were drafting Taylor. It's it's always got to be, you know, the hope is now that he can be more of kind of a Dalvin Cook where he gets a little bit of usage in the receiving game. 
but isn't kind of getting there as a receiver, the worry is more that he's like a, a Nick Chubb or, you know, a Derrick Henry where it's all rushing work. Um, that's definitely a concern. But I think if you look at, you know, even his numbers from last year, still had a really strong success rate. Uh, but if he can get back to the explosive running plays that he had as a total workhorse on the ground, which I think he is a, a pretty big favorite to be, oh, yeah. then I think we'll, we'll be able to overlook kind of the receiving red flag. It definitely hurts his ability to like become the, you know, the RB one overall in dynasty. But I think he's got like a potential two year run as being like the RB in the RB, like two to three mix. Yeah. And I would also add to, I think that there is maybe this is just a total coincidence, um, but I think that there's been a idea that we just kind of talked about with McCaffrey that like the receiving running backs are the running backs that age the best. Um, and tell that to like, Derrick Henry, bro. That's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm saying. Like I think it's like that seems to be like the public sentiment. And I'm not gonna say that it actually is the opposite in a predictable way, but it, that definitely hasn't been true. Like. Nick Chubb seems to be aging phenomenally and he's, and Derek Henry has aged incredibly. Adrian Peterson. And Nick Chubb had a terrible only... knee injury in college and is still right. aging really yeah. well. And like the, probably the best aging running back of like our mini generation is Adrian Peterson, who is like still an effective running back, like into his thirties. Like we even had DeMarco Murray had a Renaissance season as quite an old running back with Tennessee Titans. Like to me, like the elite rushers, at least in recent times, have actually sustained the answer. The answer is that a, it's just random. Level. The answer is right. that it's it's guys whose yeah, bodies yeah. hold up and who take care of themselves. It doesn't have anything to do with play style. It's just it's just sort of luck and. But maybe the know, guys whose bodies hold up happen to be the two hundred and thirty pound guys. I that that's a good point. I mean, I, that, that's a good point. Uh, my my uh, critique of Karain's argument would be that the two guys he just brought up to give a profile of this working out is Miles Sanders and Dalvin cook who at no point I've never been excited to own either of those guys. And I agree with everything about Taylor breakaway runs. He is, I think we sort of lost sight with this because the Colts were just a fucking tire fire to watch last year. He is like a singular talent. It's not, it's not in the, it's not in the same way that you know Jamal Charles or Christian McCaffrey or these guys is, but he is like an incredible player. Um, the concern you would have uh, would basically be one: how many touchdowns does he lose with Anthony Richardson? And the real uh, bear case would be Anthony Richardson is dog shit, and he just continues to play for these dog shit teams that don't score any points and give right, him fewer right. opportunities. That yeah, is, they got to ban. The... They got to ban the tush push because that's probably coming to Indy too. Well, I think it's still right. Like Steichen, I think Steichen comes over from Philly, right? Like they're probably. Oh my god, shit. I hadn't even put that together yet. This could be a disaster for that. Could be so bad for Jonathan Taylor if Anthony Richardson is scoring every two yard touchdown. Because like I yeah, don't, I don't see why good. they wouldn't yeah. do that, right? Like I mean, he's he was the play caller for Philly. Yes. For all we know, he came up with the idea. Um, they now have a very large quarterback. Like I, I got to think that he's getting a lot of one yard tush push sneaks, which is, which is like an immediate term mm. problem. Uh, he was with the chargers for a long time before. So I'm going to guess he didn't come up with the idea. Well, actually they rivers was it. so good. Rivers was so good at the one yard quarterback mm. sneaks. You guys, uh, this, like he was really, really good at that. He was Brady esque at the quarterback sneak. Um, damn. 
Maybe well, I also have a ton of Anthony Richardson in uh, right. various formats. So this, yeah. this, there you go. I maintain a win-win for you. Let um, me defend Delvin Cook slightly here. The the reason I yeah. I brought him up, he did have 24 PPR points per game in 2020, and he did so with uh, just over three receptions per game. Because it was he just scored a bazillion long touchdowns that year, right? Exactly. Yeah, he had 16 yeah. touchdowns on the ground, only one through the air. Um, almost 1,600 rushing yards, averaged five yards a carry. I mean, it, it is r- much more rare that we see kind of the the legendary running back season from a guy who isn't a strong receiver these days, but it can happen in the modern NFL. Dalvin Cook would probably be your prototype for Jonathan Taylor, the hope that, you know, he's still catching like three balls a game. He's not going to yeah. get to five. But, you know, he's just, right. it's never, never going to happen. But um, – he doesn't necessarily just have to be like Nick Chubb where he's catching like less than two. Well, and will allow me to defend Derrick Henry who Derrick Henry has four consecutive seasons above 19 PPR points per game. Like I, that's maybe not legendary upside, but it's pretty damn good. Like Derrick Henry has been a highly effective fantasy running back while catching two years ago. A lot he, of balls. he was about to shove it down my throat two years ago because sure. he, um, he would have had a legendary season if he hadn't gotten hurt. I think he was, he was right. absolutely crushing in PPR. And, I mean, he had, he had 23.4 points per game in PPR as a two down running back. He only had 18 receptions in eight games. And here's my, my further to that is that he was a top three running back for two consecutive seasons between 2020 and 2021. And Ryan Tannehill scored 14 rushing touchdowns during that period of time. Like, so he was doing that despite Ryan Tannehill taking a lot of goal line work, obviously wasn't scrambling as much between the twenties. I mean, I think Nick Chubb could have been in that Derrick Henry sphere of scoring if he actually monopolized all the rushing work. Like Mm -hmm. part of the issue with Nick Chubb is that he doesn't really get the receiving work, but he's also never actually monopolized the work on the ground. Like Kareem Hunt has always taken a portion of the carries. And then really importantly, Kareem Hunt takes goal line carries from him or, or he did like, right. if, like there would be times where Nick Chubb would sub out inside the 10. There'd be times where it was just Hunt's drive and he would stay on the field inside the 10. Like those things won't be concerns for Taylor. He'll, I mean, he's I think he would be my bet to lead the NFL in snap share this year among all running backs. Like their backfield depth chart behind him, despite Taylor coming off an injury, their, their projected RB2 is Zach Moss, who is certainly not a threat on passing downs. They drafted Evan Hall, who is a satellite guy. The most what recent if, beat reporters suggested he won't make the team. Um, really? So I don't know that he's... Wind, wind horse, wind horse means. Who knows if that actually happens, but it means he's probably not having the world's greatest camp, right? Like Jake Funk was playing over him um, with the first mm. team offense in camp so that's not a great sign like I, I just think taylor is probably playing every two minute drill i think he's playing a lot of third downs and he's certainly playing every single goal line series does jim ursay have ezekiel elliott's phone number i i know i don't think that ezekiel elliott's coming to the indianapolis Colts. chris chris ballard does not sign like dusty veterans like he chris yeah, ballard he like well he signed chris Philip ballard Lindsay. takes he signed philip Lindsay last year yeah but then he cut him Good for Chris him. Ballard has the longest running streak in the NFL of um, every draft class that he's been a part of since joining the Colts. They've had a UDFA make the 53 man roster. Um, and it's like something that he takes a lot of pride in where like he wants his young players to have chances yeah. to succeed. Yeah, like, they he, always doesn't, have, he doesn't sign uh, these veterans. He doesn't they always have uh, it's interesting. You know, an Ashton Doolin, a Mike Strachan, uh, uh, Deontay Harris. Like they always have uh, they always have some UDFA wide receiver that's really interesting in a Rotovizian sort of way. 
Yeah. When I got an Austin Doolin in my first NFL all day pack, I knew it wasn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially since you just called him Austin Doolin. Yeah, bro. Come on. <laughs> How dare you send Ashton Doolin that way? <laughs> Sorry, who, is that, who is that wide receiver from Clemson that the Colts had that people got really excited about for two years in a row, like three years ago? We're going down a tangent. Are you talking? Are is... you talking about Derek Rogers? No, no, no. no. There no. Was a... I... He was Tennessee anyway. Clemson Colts <sighs> wide receiver. He was a round six pick that people got so fired up about. Deion Kane, that's the guy. People got really. Oh, people Kane. did. People did get big excited about him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, that point is, I, I just think Taylor. Like that's another thing with Taylor is he's always had to split with Hines. Um, for his whole career, and it's always mm-hmm. been an annoying thing where Hines plays in like certain goal line sub packages. He always plays in the two minute drill, plays on some third downs. Like, Hines is gone, and I don't know if Hall is going to take that role. And and again, like it would be great for Taylor if Zach Moss is actually the RB two, right? Like that Zach Moss is not taking pass downs. Like he's just there to take five carries when Taylor needs a Gatorade. Um, other guy in this tier is Jameer Gibbs um, for the market. Um, I'm certainly a Jameer Gibbs optimist. I, what are your guys' thoughts on a what he gives you this year, and then what you think the dynasty market would react to that if if your median projection comes true? Yeah, I'm lower. I'm lower on. I think the other thing is I'm also just lower on all these running backs than you guys. Like I just moved running backs down because they were running backs. Uh, that's sort of based on personal experience of trying to trade away running backs uh-huh. in a lot of these leagues we're playing in. Um, I'm I'm definitely of the three of us the Gibbs bear which is sort of funny because I actually really like him and in, in best ball this year because he gets a dome game and has a good correlation in week 17 and he's in kind of a dead spot of draft for wide mm-hmm. receivers so it's it's one mm-hmm. of those things where like in a in the context of best ball this year you're gonna like I'm gonna have a lot of him but I don't love the idea of spending a, a pretty premium asset whether it be pick whether it be trade on a smaller side running back david montgomery's on the roster the coaching staff in detroit has shown basically an extreme uh you you could frame it either way you could say an extreme uh focus on segmenting roles in the backfield or an extreme unwillingness to create a workhorse of any variety because Jamal Williams actually in his time in Green Bay was like pretty fine on passing downs, pretty fine catching passes, pretty fine pass blocking. And the Lions coaching staff was like, if you even think about running a route, we are going to send you to the shadow realm. We are bringing in Justin Jackson. We are bringing in Craig Reynolds, who I think is like 29 and an undrafted free agent who's been a career special teamer. And they were like, we're putting this guy out for 10 snaps a game instead of playing Jamal Williams or DeAndre Swift on passing downs. There were games where Craig Reynolds was playing over Swift on passing yeah. downs. Yeah. So Justin thought, Jackson was always playing those snaps. Yes, always season. playing. Right. So the thought, my take is basically like, I think Gibbs is pretty good. I think he's going to have some crazy spike weeks, or at least I'm hoping he does. And uh, he'll be benefited by playing the line schedule. I think they have 11 dome games this year. So I think he could maybe even appreciate, but I don't, foresee in the immediate future a anything representing Karain's like legendary upside role for him. I just don't think he would get the required touches. Yeah, I mean I don't think he will either. No. Um I think it's possible in a in a year 
but he needs things to to break his way. He needs David Montgomery to be completely dust. And but even then, you're talking about like him displacing Montgomery in 2024. Probably. You know what I'm worried about? I'm worried that he's 10 pounds smaller, Tony Pollard. Yeah, I mean that that could be. Yeah, but Pol- I would say Pollard isn't quite as much of the receiving back as he sometimes get gets painted. Out. He's he's a efficient receiver, Pollard. but he's not like he's more. He, Pollard is more like mini, you know. Travis Etienne or something. Pa- Paul Pollard, I think, is a misunderstood player. Like, I think the most, I think the closest comparison to Pollard to me is Aaron Jones, where he's like a good receiver, but he's also just like a really good runner. Like, that, yeah. more that, explosive. That is a good. That's a like, good comp. But I, I also think Pollard is like, I think he's a better receiver than his receiving stats show because he's such a bad pass blocker. Like, he's a good receiver per route, and like if you watch him, like he runs good routes. It's just that he's never had a particularly high route percentage because they prioritize playing Zeke on passing downs. Whereas like, is, we'll is he even a bad soon. pass blocker or is Zeke just that good at it? Zeke no, I think Paul is pretty bad. Well, both I, I think are true. But I, I called I him a pass blocking is... specialist after the the Cowboys twenty twenty. It was in the headline of a road world blurb, and after they lost in the twenty twenty one playoffs, people were not happy. But guess what? He was deal with it. Yeah, no, he is. I, I mean, like I, I think Pollard, like I think Pollard struggles in pass protection. Like I, I'm a Pollard stan. I don't need to like defend his pass blocking skills. Um. But I, I think that it's, I think it was also a difference where like the, they had a trade-off, right? It was like, we have a really good pass blocker or we have a good receiver. Like, what do we think is more important? Whereas if now, like, like, you know, he's not a pass blocking specialist, Ronald Jones. Ro- Ronald Jones. <laughs> right. Like, like if, if you know, you know, who is also not. Is like, not a, you know, who is like, also not a pass blocking specialist, 172 pound <laughs> Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. Lee Davis might be. Like, I doubt that. Yeah. Like, he's like 200 pounds. Yeah, he probably isn't. Do, right, do they so have like, a just do they have a fullback on the roster? Yeah, and he it's named they Hunter might sign Lipke, Zeke. and he's getting hyped a lot in camp. Yeah, Hunter yeah, Lipke like, is is getting some steam. Wait, hold on. Let me let me look at their <laughs> Zeke Slander didn't no, no bites on that. No, they probably it, it was good. It was <laughs> I good. Wanna, but, yeah, no, I have to fair. stop I, I have to stop entertaining it. this because I'm so all in on Pollard. Like I just I can't entertain. Yeah, I'm Zeke yeah. returning. Um, I so, mean, but I think I think it's it's fine. Like I guess we've transitioned from Jameer Gibbs, but uh, into Tony Pollard. But I I think that Pollard's price now, like in in best ball and in dynasty, honestly, but like especially in best ball. And frankly, if you're drafting him in dynasty, you're drafting him based on what he's going to do this year. So I think that they're pretty intertwined. Like I think price currently is is totally fine if zeke signs with the cowboys and and i'm i'm curious like i agree where does pollard end up if they just don't sign anyone because why isn't he a first round pick like i, I he just, should that's that's the thing is if no one gets signed the market has been wrong all offseason he should have been he should go where Bijan goes maybe maybe you could argue ahead because the way i've been playing it with pollard is like i'm drafting him in every standalone tournament that i do i'm drafting him well over 30 percent because I, I don't have to worry about the closing line value. And I just think this price is fine, even if Zeke signs. And then in best ball mania, I'm trying to keep it around like 15 or so. Cause I, I get that his ADP probably goes down if they sign somebody, but like, I, I don't, if they just don't sign anyone, I don't, like, I feel like he ends the year at the one, two turn. Like he, he's just like, yeah. I mean, he was, he was RB seven last year and he was the 16th highest scoring non quarterback with Zeke on the roster. And with Pollard not actually being the lead back to the second half of the year, now Zeke's not on the roster. He's being drafted as the RB seven and the twenty first highest on quarterback. Make it. I think like, the, the issue you have with Pollard 
uh, to some extent is that the Cowboys are probably going to score less points. I mean, McCarthy's just stated that as a goal. That they're yeah. gonna score less <laughs> he, he's literally, he's literally <laughs> said less of that. We would Kellen Moore. Yeah. Get the fuck out, Bradley. But does that hurt Pollard? Like, doesn't that just mean that he's gonna like he's gonna be no, no? I think no. I think I think that in a way, in a very perverse way, sort of in a, actually a Bijan Falcons way, we're just if the if they're building the whole ship out of you know three yards and a cloud of dust plays or whatever. Like it's bad. It's really bad for CD. It's really bad for Cooks and Gallup. Like there's no extra meat left on the bone for those guys. But it it you know, whatever they lose in efficiency and touchdown opportunities, he might just gain by raw touches. I think that's a floor argument, though. And I certainly sure. would prefer sure. a, an explosive offense where he can get there on explosive plays and touch the ball less, right? I mean, this is like one of the things that, you know, we tend to disagree with the market on sometimes with running backs. Is like, I don't really want the guy to have to take on as many touches as humanly possible because yes. that's how right. injuries occur. I would much prefer that he can get there on a somewhat limited role, um, but just be absolutely explosive. And that perfectly suits Tony Pollard's profile. But if they're scoring a lot less points, then, you know, it could hurt. And they're going to run a lot, lot fewer plays. So yes, that's that, the big, that, that is the big issue. True. So I, I think, think you... there's the other thing with Pollard in, in best ball specifically is that in these drafts, I, I've actually taken, I'm at like 15% in, since the NFL draft. And I was about, I was at like 30% pre-NFL draft so largely I agree but you do have this issue of like if I take Pollard in the second am I then take another running back in the third which I probably am because that's where the value is there and then I don't necessarily like I, I'm kind of putting myself at the mercy of this room are they going to bury me you got to take you got to take uh you have to take uh Detroit Lions Kadarius Tony on Pollard teams just to give you like a lot no, of the time I because refuse. I refuse. I, I only I only ever take Jameson Williams when I already have I just, two guys from that game. I just don't take Jameson Williams in best ball tournaments. Are we just, are I we just, out? Are we out on Jameson Williams? I'm pretty close to just being I like, mean, I just don't understand I just don't understand the point of taking a player that we this is now a best ball podcast, I suppose. With uh, one with one <laughs> NFL with I just, a player with I just don't know why NFL I would take reception. a player that is probably bad that is also gonna miss six games. Like I I don't know. It yeah. just seems like such a thin play to me. But uh, well, hey, they hit it. that one reception was really good last year. Uh, let me That's let true. me make two points here. I'm back on the running backs we're talking about. Thank you. Uh, first on Pollard, on I do think so. I I'm not the lowest on Pollard. Uh, I'm tied with Jacob, I think, and we're, we don't have a ton of like a huge disparity here. Um, no, I'm tied with Davis. We both have, have him at 50. Jacob, you're the highest. If I'm not the highest. I'd be sad. Okay, yeah, he's of yeah. course I'm the highest. I do think just like. You know, it's a guy on the franchise tag. He's 26 years old. There's no team commitment after this year. There is a fairly low floor here. Like if he isn't efficient this year or if they're just like, yeah, we we gave him the shot to be the complete back and he isn't that guy. And then they they draft someone. I mean, the Cowboys drafting a running back feels like it should be like, I don't know, minus 150. You know what I mean? He's not but he's about he's not a Dallas Cowboy when they're drafting their running back. Well, they could. I mean, they could. They could sign him to like a one-year deal or two-year deal after a, a disappointing season, and then you know, or yeah, maybe he goes somewhere else. But this is actually a yeah. like extremely high-leverage year for Tony Pollard in terms of his dynasty value. Like he has to deliver this year, or you're losing a lot of value. I've got. Well, I've got for one sure, you're using a lot of value. I, I just think like with Pollard, I mean, I think he is going to score 
a similar amount of points to Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley, who are also, I think, extraordinarily precarious after this year. But Pollard's opportunity cost is lower than those guys. Um, and, I mean, Pollard's going the fifth round. He's going against, really, when you're looking at where Pollard goes, like you're really looking at players that either have elite short-term ceilings and age concerns, or you're looking at players who just probably aren't going to score a lot of points. If Tony Pollard is a top five running back this year, and does nothing for me ever again. Like I'm, I'm honestly okay spending a fifth round pick on that. Uh, that has like I have no concerns about that. And I would be. I don't think that he'll be nothing teams, ever again. But I think that that's fine. If I had good teams, I would be trading 2024 like late first for him. I think. Like if I had a team, like well, you talked about this with Devonte Adams last week. Like if I had a team that was like a three or a four seed, and I really wanted to supercharge its ceiling, and you know I had good wide receivers. Don't need don't need to send a pick for Kelsey or whatever, but like because it's dynasty, maybe my running back room is thin. Maybe my running back two is like Brian Robinson or something, but the rest of the team is good. Because you you have outs, right? I mean, like obviously where these things are all a balance of probability. I think you've got like way fewer outs with some of these other guys, but Pollard has outs. I mean, Pollard could be he could be phenomenal. He could earn himself a long term contract. He could sign. A, a good he could the Cowboys could be like thank you for your service we just draft we you know whatever and he signs a good contract with whoever you know the Dolphins the Commanders whatever it doesn't matter because he's not like I don't think he's he's close to done I do think that him versus Ramondre is fascinating yeah, I had them that. I've got them like basically back to back I just think I might even have Ramondre higher if Ramondre like. Because Ramondre was a good prospect who had some discipline stuff, which is why he ended up not being valued by the NFL, has done nothing but crush it in the NFL. Yeah. Like, has n- done nothing but crush it. He's Even played in the preseason at the first year. Mm-hmm. He's done, and, and he's played in every situation, right? He's been a pass blocker. He's been, a re- he's played the James White role. He's been the goal line back. He's played, I think he's got two games with literally 100% of the snaps or something close to it. Like, he's yeah. done everything that's been asked. But just by mere fact of being a New England Patriot, there's like a 10% discount on all of his it's production, very true. right? Like, it's just, it's just like, he's a Patriot. Uh, you know, like, it, people in their mind, they see that NEP next to a player, and they're like, he's LeGarrette Blunt. It's so funny. Well, let's, let's talk about this tier, and we, you, can, you can talk about Ramondre. I just want to outline for people listening along. So we talked about that top five. There's Barkley and Eckler. Um, but really, it's the sort of next tier that you can kind of take your pick. So there's Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Nick Chubb, and Tony Pollard. Um, so we can talk about Ramondre, is, but I think that's the spot where you can take your favorite. Um, Pat, if you want to get a point on Ramondre, or who's your, who's your preferred of that group? And is it Ramondre or Pollard? I have Pollard at the top of the group, but I guess what I would just say is, like, I think all of these guys are win-now pieces. Yeah, You know, like that. And that's really my point with the Pollard stuff is that he's not insulated. You know, he's not he's 26 years old, but he is not insulated at all. So to me, like with running back, like a larger point, you know, your point of, look, I can get Tony Pollard. They're basically he's going exactly where Saquon goes in redraft. um, And he's just both of them are kind of equally uninsulated. I'd rather have Pollard, you know, for the price. I think that makes a lot of sense, but it actually makes me want to lower Pollard <laughs> or sorry, lower 
lower Barkley. It makes me. Oh, I agree Barkley with that. I think ranks. Barkley's price is pretty egregious. Like for he's going at three oh six, right next to Jameer Gibbs, like ahead of a lot of the wide receivers we talked about yesterday, like T. Higgins, Devonta Smith. Like I, I think that's a a tough price to pay for a player who got like a hundred percent of the workload and had seventeen points per game last year. Yeah. So it's more of like, you know, would I send a late first for Pollard on like a team where I where I think I have a chance? Like, yeah, I, I would do that. I think that's like a, a totally reasonable thing to do. Um, but it's the type of thing where like if you're in a startup and you're like, oh, I'm adding a young running back to this room. No, you're not. You're adding a guy who's on the franchise tag. So the yeah. bottom could fall out halfway through this season. They can, can this guy... One thing I like sure. to think through, and this is especially important at running back, where the value is really, really dependent on current performance. Can this guy sustain a major injury and still have value? And most of these guys cannot. You know, Ramondre, Ramondre probably can, right? Like, I actually think maybe like Ramondre and ETN probably can sustain a major injury mm-hmm. because they'll come back on a rookie deal, right? They'll come back to the same team on a rookie deal, which is helpful for their for their value in 2024 off the main yeah but some some collegiate player would have already replaced Ramondre for the Patriots is the issue I think ETN and they won't hold they won't hold their I think they have a chance I think they have a chance to recover their value right that's but but they're gonna nosedive they're not but they're not gonna crater whereas like Pollard we we sometimes forget like just how many guys like are like wiped from our brains you know in Dynasty that's like one of the tricks is that you forget like you know, like Isaiah Crowell was like highly thought of, and oh, then he like oh tore his Achilles God, and like never God. played again. Like, Dude, are we gonna start playing name that guy? <laughs> there's a, you really can't run back. There's to a play some name that guy at running back. I, I mean, I Philip Lindsay, have, right? I've like Philip the... Lindsay had his moment, and then whoop. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying Pollard is yeah. these guys, but it just it, it happens, man. And like, if you don't are you have are you uh, intimating that that Tony Pollard is Ben Tate, and that his when he finally gets his his uh, job on the open market, he's going to fall on his face? I mean, we we compared. I think last year entering 2022, maybe we compared him to Ben Tate. We're like, is he going to get the Ben Tate treatment? Thankfully, he's not. He's actually didn't have to go somewhere else. He took over the backfield. Yeah, he lucked but, out. Yeah, he lucked out. But I mean. It could it could go away very quickly. Like it, it it really goes fast for even running backs that we think are super talented. I mean, and twenty six yeah. by the way is not like young for no. a running back. It's already on the borderline for you know the the legendary upside analysis I looked at. Like we really want guys who are twenty five and younger um, for those truly elite seasons. He's like already on like the downside of his career because of the way that he got wasted by the Cowboys. Oh. Like. I mean, it, it sucks, but I think I would just, you know, just be aware that basically everyone we're about to talk about is like a win now piece. Like I think it okay. ends a win now piece because because yes. what happens if Bigsby eats in his workload, like values like crushed, you know, compared to this price. For sure. But here here's my pushback. It's pro Pollard. And, and I would apply a lot of this to Ramondre too. I have no pushback on Pollard's floor being nothing. Like I, I think. For sure. If they sign Dalvin Cook tomorrow and they decide in week one to give them to give Dalvin Cook 55% of the snaps, Pollard becomes worth a second round rookie pick. If Tony Pollard, um, you know, breaks his leg, whatever, like it, it would be total dust. I, I guess like my my pushback is if you want to say I'm not investing in any running backs after like Bijan and Hall and Taylor and Gibbs 
And then whatever guys you can get in round 12 and later, I think that's a totally defensible position. Like if you're just like, there's like three or four guys who I think are insulated, I'm going to take them. And then I'm not taking any of the other guys. I'm just going to stack a bunch of late ones. I, I think that's like a totally fine way to play. But to me, if you're going to dabble anyone in the middle ground, I just think you're fooling yourself. If you're trying to talk yourself into this guy being more insulated or this guy being more insulated, like I don't really care about the youth for these guys because the young running backs who are actually insulated get drafted in round two. Right. The, like Kenneth Walker That's and right. Travis Etienne are not insulated. Like how many young running backs? I, I want to buy on Kenneth get, Walker so bad. Oh, if you can buy on him. Look, yeah. I, I'm not saying that he can't hit. I'm just saying he's not insulated. Like we have seen so many young running backs who flash early and then circumstances start to go wrong. And all of a sudden they're not like Antonio Gibson was not insulated. Cam Akers was not insulated. Miles Sanders was not insulated. Like none of these guys are, right? It, it doesn't have to mean that it goes badly, but the downside risk for Kenneth Walker and Travis Etienne is immense. They their teams just spent day two picks on the on them. I think they're both super talented, but they're they're definitely imperfect. And you need to have a really high threshold of volume to be an extraordinarily worthwhile investment as a fantasy running back. If Kenneth Walker's in a 50-50 split with Zach Charbonnet, or if Travis Etienne is coming off the field on every long down and distance and seeding 30% of the carries to Tank Bigsby, that that's it. You're just you're just Antonio Gibson at that point. So to me, it's like if I'm investing in a running back, I'm not worried about the floor because I don't think it really exists. I just want to get the guy who scores the most points. And Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson are going at the 2-3 turn, I think fairly. And Travis Etienne is going in round four and Kenneth Walker yeah. is going in round five. And I think that's fair. So I'm just going to take the guys who I think are going to score more points if I'm taking a running back at all, or else I'll take, you know, Quentin Johnston. Yeah. I, I brought up the ETN insulated value, just kind of kind of underline that like even compared to an ETN, I think Pollard probably is less insulated, but I do have Pollard ahead of ETN and Ramondre. Um, so I, I, I think that's the right way to approach it. I just think like, if you're picking Pollard, like know what you're doing. Just know sure. that you're you're not. It doesn't matter that he's 26 because the the contract is the more important thing here. But I think you'll agree with this point, Jacob, because you have. Uh, oh, uh, you don't. Davis does. Davis has Nick Chubb above uh, Tony Pollard, and I have Nick Chubb one spot behind Tony Pollard. And that's kind of my point: is that like yeah, okay. they're going right next to each other in redraft. I think I think in best ball, Chubb is going ahead of Pollard now. Um, and it's like the same thing. You're, you're betting on like you're hoping for one really good year out of this running back. And, and there's really no floor that comes along. Now, yeah. Chubb is older. He's 27 and a half. But that that's not really the concern at this point because Pollard's, you know, so uh, dependent on this year making the rest of his career that he might, you know, it doesn't matter how old he is because he's because he's it not super young. You know, admittedly, like I'm just IK being this with Pollard and Chubb. Like I understand that the market is drafting Nick Chubb ahead of Tony Pollard in best ball leagues. And I just think that the market is incorrect. Um, Like that's, that's really all it is. Like, I just think that, so like I, I, I could be convinced to like, if we, if I really sat down and do this, I could be convinced, I think to rank Tony Pollard as high as running back five. I could, I could could probably move him up 20 spots in my rankings if I really thought about it. like I, I feel like maybe what's keeping him down is like the range is pretty wide like I don't know is it how, how possible 
you guys think it is that Tony Pollard rips off like a, a two-year stretch of basically being Christian McCaffrey? I, I like think it's possible. Honestly. Yeah, I just think it's in the range of it's outcomes. It's more like this Jamal Charles in with... terms of style, but yeah, yeah, sure, right. Like, I just mean in terms I, of this points. is just like I, I just think that Pollard has, and and you know you guys could disagree. I, certainly, it seems like Davis does not. I think it's well within Tony Pollard's range of outcomes to contend for RB one overall, and I just feel like yeah. we've seen Nick Chubb's entire career, and he doesn't do that. Like, so I think Nick Chubb like is probably going to score more points than Travis Etienne and and Ken Walker, maybe even scores more points than Tony Pollard, but. Like, I don't know. Nick Chubb just feels like we're kind of like half, like it just feels like a middle play where it's like, okay, like he's probably more secure from a redraft projection standpoint than a lot of these younger running backs. But like, again, if I'm taking a bet on the older player, like I just want to tell myself a story of how they score 20 points per game. I, I really struggle to tell myself a story of how Nick Chubb ever scores 20 points per game. Whereas I actually I, I think I am going to move. I'm going to move Pollard up quite a bit in my rankings. I think I'm going to do that as well. Partly because, like, you know, the point I'm making, right, is that he's no different than any of these other guys in terms of what you can get for this year. But then when I do think through, like, who actually has a legendary upside type of seasons, he's pretty high on the list. So if you're just playing, you're making a one-year play. It's a redraft type of play. Um but I like the play with Pollard. I don't, I like, I like betting on him more this year than I like Saquon Barkley. So why is Saquon Barkley ahead of him in my ranks? He shouldn't be right. But because they, they are just one year plays. I'm also realizing I am insanely high on Kenneth Walker. And when I did my rankings, it Let's just talk like about him. What felt, it felt right to me where I, I put him. Um, Cause like, I do like him more than Jameer Gibbs. Like he's got like a, he's got a really good, He's got a profile I'm interested in buying, which is like he's got that insane sort of not not the same style. He doesn't accomplish it in the same way, but that Jamal Charles thing where he it looks like the play is completely dead. And then all of a sudden he's just like you blink your eyes and he's in the end zone. Um, I also really liked him as a prospect like he was. That was a prospect profile I was pretty interested mm-hmm. in. The big question we had for him as a rookie was like, would he be able to provide anything in the passing game? I mean, 35 targets. That was the, that, that would be, I believe the third highest of Derrick Henry's career, maybe even the second highest. He did that as a, uh, 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 22 year old rookie in like a horrendous yards per route run for what it's worth. Well, okay. So the, the, that is the subtext of everything I'm saying, which is the, uh, what am I not saying? Which is that his, Raw numbers look pretty good, but if you break it down by per touch, he looks like Dearness Johnson, right? Horrible success rate, horrible yards per route run, not even a particularly good yards per target. It's really a, it's just a lot of touchdowns, right? It's a lot of touchdowns. And my supposition would be that as a player who, uh, you know, went to, was in a weird environment in college, right? So he was one of these guys who took advantage of the transfer things. Yep. His final season at Michigan State, the, the entire offense was built out of just giving him the ball in eight-man boxes and letting him go. My guess would be it's easier to teach a guy some of the intricacies of the position, helping him improve in, in the pass running and stuff like that, than it is to teach someone to score 80-yard touchdowns. Now, all of that being said, I'm probably just wrong and I need to move him down probably about 10 spots in the overall. 
just because Charbonnet could just be a, a, a literal permanent thorn in his side. Yeah. I think they're probably, you know, maybe not that into teaching in Seattle because they just drafted Zach Charbonnet. Yeah. Right. So they're yeah. like, instead of teaching this guy how to do all this intricate stuff, let's just draft a guy who's like very solid at that. Let's draft our best, next Carson. Best case scenario. Best case scenario for Kenneth Walker probably is he becomes Nick Chubb to Zach Charbonnet's Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, totally plausible. Like, I don't know. I, I don't want to like litigate the Kenneth Walker talent debate because I think that both sides are correct. I like I think bit. that I, I okay, I'm we can litigate a little bit. Like I've I guess I'm just tired of litigating the Kenneth Walker talent debate because like I don't know. I've been doing this like since he came out as a rookie. Like I was not a big fan of him as a prospect. And like I guess I I feel like I, I feel as though like I got the evaluation of Kenneth Walker mostly right, which was that I thought he was like an excellent tackle breaker, was very explosive, was not quite as completive as a runner as people thought and sucks the pass catcher. And then I, he like caught six balls in London one time and everybody was like, you told me you didn't have hands. Um, and it like, still aggravated me clearly. Um, but uh, I just think like, he's clearly talented. Like he brings a lot to a backfield. I don't think that's debatable. I, I guess the question is like, if he's going to produce enough value to pay off what is currently a ADP in the fourth round of dynasty drafts. He either needs to get every single carry, including every single goal line carry, or he needs to get a decent portion of the pass down work. And I don't know that his profile said that he should get either of those. And then drafting Zach Charbonnet says that he probably won't get either of those. And yeah, for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> like that's, that's yeah. sort of where I'm at with it. I, I think his price is ridiculous. So I'm at 61 in our rankings. Davis has him at 30. So we, we have a real... I'm going to move him. I'm gonna, smokes. I'm too 30. high. But I'm I, at 55. I will, I'm within range of you, Pat. I'm still going to be much higher on him That's than fair. you guys. I'm going to move him down. I'm going to move him down some. Um, but I'm not going to move him down in line with you guys. I, I still just think... You're also a lot higher than us on ETN, which is, I think, in some ways, a similar bet to Kenneth Walker's. Yeah, it's that. It's well, also, it's that. I think uh, ETN might be like a lot more talented than Kenneth Walker. I I agree with that. In in theory, ETN is like the ultimate in theory guy. Like, if he could learn to catch, uh, if he could learn to catch passes and stuff. But like, so for example, he does. He just does it with his chest. ETN is the world's most misunderstood running back. Like, every single person who has commented on Travis ETN has been like wrong about Travis ETN in some respect to this point in his career. It's because everyone remembers him like catching swing passes six years ago from Trevor Lawrence when they were in college together, and that's just like the isn't uh, he Dalvin Cook? Isn't he just Dalvin Cook? Yeah. Yeah, like I, it's just right. I, I think that's that's mostly right. It's it's weird because like the data people were like he's a complete workhorse, and then there was like a film component that was that really didn't like him. That thought he was like not as good of a pass catcher, but it was always kind of assumed that he was like not a very consistent or a good rusher. And he's I think, really like, the film rusher. people have been exactly like the film people have been like pretty right about the pass catching. Like he's clearly not like a dynamic pass catching threat he's more of a swing pass screen pass hope he doesn't drop it guy but like the idea of him as a rusher is is dead wrong like he's actually a super consistent runner he's like a really good runner um he's a good high volume runner he's efficient he's efficient carry to carry he's an efficient breakaway guy so yeah it's it's strange he's an extraordinarily underrated rusher i I think and it's weird that people say that tank bigsby's a better runner than him he's super not and this is the thing about you know 
with Kenneth Walker, why I wanted to litigate it a little bit, because you mentioned the Nick Chubb cream hunt thing. And in terms of a stylistic, you know, or workload split, I, I think that's a, a pretty good comp. But when Nick Chubb gets brought up, who Nick Chubb, I mean, he's kind of the the molds that we're talking about with ETN, um, you know, a bigger version um, and a better version. But he is highly consistent. His success rate is awesome, Nick Chubb. And he's also just crushing it with breakaway runs. He's like the best pure runner in the game, right? I think that's that doesn't get said constantly for no reason. Um, Walker is not at all consistent. His success rate was terrible last year. Dalvin Cook had the worst success rate in the league among running backs with 200-plus carries. According to NFL Next Gen, Ezekiel Elliott was second worst. Uh, Kenneth Walker, third worst. So – I just, I think he's like extremely susceptible to another running back coming in and stealing the types of carries where you want someone to do the right thing, which are goal line carries, right? Like you want a guy to hit the right hole, especially near the goal line. Who cares? I, I, this guy could rip off a 30 yard run. Well, we're on the five. So we just want the guy to, to hit the hole and pick up the yards that are blocked and get us down to the one and hopefully in the end zone. Right. So, they drafted Zach Charbonnet with a second round pick. That's like who he is. He's a big battering ram. Like that's a problem. Also, he's a better pass catcher, uh, better yards per out run in college. Um, you know, I can't he's not figure like out if Charbonnet catcher, ever but... played linebacker to figure out if that's why Karain liked him so much. I, like he might have, dude. I bet he played high school linebacker. Like no, he Charbon- was a real, no, he was like a top, top recruit coming out of high school. He was a running back because he was like really heralded when he went to Michigan and then Harbaugh buried him. Do you, I'm, I'm googling do you, Zach Charbonnet linebacker. Were you a were, are you a Debbie guy? Do you play Debbie, yeah. Jacob? Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. campus to Canton. So you, so these are all you know all the five star recruits. You're you're deep like I, into like you have baby Gronk on a roster. I, I've had Charbonnet rostered in a campus to Canton league since he was at Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I remember like being like mad at Harbaugh, and then I was like so excited when he transferred to UCLA. And then I was so pumped he was going to get round two draft capital. And I was so mad when Pete Carroll decided to ruin what was supposed to be my, my immediate RV2. Uh, no, it's, it's – uh, Debbie's a different beast for sure. It I don't sure know if he ever played linebacker in high school. It doesn't appear that he played case. linebacker. But but my my take isn't like, oh, Zach Charbonnet's so, so good. It's that, like, there's a – Yeah, there's a Zach Charbonnet. Like, the guy that we didn't want to show up for Kenneth Walker, like, is Zach Charbonnet. Competent enough on receiving downs to be a problem for Walker, given that that's a huge weakness for him. And then potentially really well-suited to goal line work, which was a underrated weakness for Kenneth Walker, just in terms of being the consistent rusher. He scored a bunch of touchdowns. This is a this is a profile that's, like, under threat, like, under serious threat by a second-round pick. And this is the opposite, I think, with Travis Etienne, where I think a lot of people, like, don't, this isn't like derogatory. I'm like, oh, I'm the Debbie guy. But like, I just think a lot of people don't necessarily come with a lot of preconceived notions about um, a lot of college players, which is fine. And then what happens is that people have a lot of preconceived notions about the NFL players, team drafts on their player at their position. And I feel like we just map on the traits that the player that's already exists doesn't have. And we assume that that's what the new guy is. I think that's actually the case with Charbonnet, where like he compliments Walker well, where his weaknesses are Walker's strengths, his strengths are Walker's weaknesses. I, I think because Tank Bigsby's name is Tank, um, people assume that that's kind of who Tank Bigsby is too, but he's not. Like, if feels the Jacksonville like, Jaguars feels like false drafted, advertising. 
It, it is, is false advertising. advertising. Like if people, if the Jacksonville Jaguars drafted Roshan Johnson, that would be the guy where it's like, oh, like, you know, maybe ETN does take too many risks, which doesn't show up in the data, but that, that's what people think. And okay, he's ETN's bad in pass pro, not that good of a pass catcher. Roshan Johnson, great pass protector, good pass catcher. Like that would make sense. Tank, Tank Bigsby is is like the diet Travis ETN profile. Like his weaknesses in college are he takes too many risks. And he has like a lot of receptions, but isn't actually that natural or efficient of a pass catcher. And then his pluses is like, he's like pretty good in the open field and he's like, a, you know, a sufficient athlete. Like, I just think that that's more like a complimentary backfield. I think they probably like what Travis Etienne gave them. They probably don't want to give him 350 carries, but Tank kind of comes in, does the same stuff. So they can just run the same formation the whole game. I like ETN better than Walker, but at the same time, like I, I also think ETN's path to legendary upside is is narrow. Like yeah, I, I think it, it is it is a tight one. He would really have to, but I mean, both of these guys I think are drawing thin there. They would both really have to expand parts of their game that they have not expanded to this point. Yeah, in terms of the the Tank Bixby stuff, uh, Cam Akers is. Uh, one of the closest comps for him. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, in in my stuff, and you know, I think stylistically, that's like Cam Akers breaks tackles. He's not a great breakaway runner. He's like fine as a receiver, but mostly he's kind of held down third down snaps and not done anything with them. You know, he's like out there, but he doesn't really get targeted a ton. So I think that's that's who Bixby is, which is basically yeah, diet Travis Etienne. It's it's interesting too. Like Akers and Bixby both had a kind of the same like film rap on them coming out of college, which was like, they weren't very efficient as runners, but then you could be like, their O-line was horrible. They played on this terrible team in a good conference. Like kind of the narrative around them coming out was also similar, um, which makes sense with, with acres. Let's, let's go into this next here. We'll go a little bit more briefly, maybe pick one guy that you either think is interesting because they're really underpriced or interesting because they're really overpriced. Um, next group of running backs, we have Javante Williams, we have Damian Pierce, we have DeAndre Swift, Davis Maddox's favorite player. We have J.K. Dobbins, Derrick Henry, uh, and that's all. That's it until all the way up to the seven twelve. So that takes you from the end of the fifth round through the sixth round. Um, we can go through our ranks. Uh, I'll start with Pat. Uh, who's a guy in that group that you're either aggressively buying or aggressively selling? Well, I mean, we should talk Najee Harris, right? Oh yeah, we we yeah we had I mean, managed to avoid we, Najee Harris. Do we Harris. need to? Um, yeah. Well, Jacob has him at 50 and I have him at 81. So I feel like we should discuss. I've got him at okay, 78 sure. and that felt, that All felt right, rich. Sure. Okay. So for the record, Najee Harris's current ADP is 48. I am two spots behind ADP and I have been just getting beaked relentlessly for being I mean, the Najee guy. Trent Richardson, Trent Richardson kept getting drafted until he was out of the league. <laughs> I, I have like, for, I, I literally have 2% Najee. Yeah. Harris. Where did he his career? Dynasty. Didn't someone send a first for him? <laughs> Yeah, I oh my god. Post traumatic <laughs> stress li- disorder. Oh, speaking of memory wipe, <laughs> speaking of memory wipe, I had completely oh. forgotten that that had happened. Yeah, he was made a healthy scratch in a playoff game for Dan Boom Heron. That is a oh, thing. Oh man, that's a name. That's an all-time remember this guy. I actually is, I, I actually is... talked about Dan Heron on Twitter one time and then wow. Dan Heron himself like found my tweet and he quote tweeted me he was like thanks man like I, I like made like a Dan Heron like appreciation tweet or whatever and I was like oh man that's sick <laughs> I love Dan Heron that's uh, amazing I mean Trent Richardson's <laughs> career doesn't even make any sense dude he he did he it does not he he was out of football 
in three years. Wow. Was he what? Yeah. What was his deal, man? Was was uh, well, he just he a, was bad? That was his well. Deal. I know I he was bad. Been some but, Eddie Lacy uh, weight management issues. Like yeah, yeah. That, I mean, he came up to the CFL after he was cut by the Colts, and he was horrible in the Canadian Football League. Like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders were like, "Oh, we're gonna bring in Trent Richardson," and then he got played off the field by like Canadian college players who ran a four eight. It was embarrassing. He's currently um, uh, he's currently a running back for the. Uh, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna go in this direction. He's playing in the Mexican Football League, though. That's tough. He, um, he was. He was Harris. the 29. He was the 2019 AAF rushing touchdowns leader. So happy ending right, to the Chargers. Okay. I don't know what you guys want from me. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm being gaslit for having a slightly below market stance on Najee Harris, just because you guys have an obscenely below market stance on Najee Harris. Like, is is 81 necessary? Like, do we need to be that low on Najee Harris? You are higher on Najee Harris than Nick Chubb. Why? Um, Najee Harris is younger, has more insulated value, has a he very has no path. insulated value. He has Najee no Harris insulated value. I completely disagree with this. Everyone the, the Steelers, hates him. The Pittsburgh, okay, the Pittsburgh Steelers do not hate him. Pittsburgh Steelers are his current employer. Give it Pittsburgh another six Steelers months. Are the most like the Steelers are the most conservative. We stand by our guys organization of any team in the NFL. Like they let Benny Snell remain on their team throughout the duration of his rookie contract. Like I, I just don't think that Najee Harris is under any serious threat. That's true. That is true. He played all four years and then he, he, was, he, was, wow. he absolutely did. Uh, he, they even let him learn special teams. Not like, I, I just don't <laughs> think that the Steelers think that Najee Harris is bad. I, I don't think there's any evidence of this. He was, not a particularly inspiring running back. There's no question about that. I just think that we're getting a little bit overconfident in terms of how we're projecting the ascension of Jalen Warren, who like whatever bad faith narratives have floated around about Tony Pollard, where it's like, Oh, he's just getting the empty net carries. He's just coming in and running draw plays. Like, of course he has good efficiency. That that's not actually been particularly true of Tony Pollard. That is fairly true of Jalen Warren. I, I think that his stats are quite boosted up by getting a lot of easy work while Najee's grinding out the tough yards. And I don't think that Najee's an inspiring talent. Oh, this talent, is my, this is my favorite say, argument. This is my favorite argument. That yeah, some this was the Zeke could... argument. This was the Zeke yeah. argument okay. last year. Right, but it's actually... But here's the thing with... Here's the, here's the problem with Zeke, okay? You've become a Zeke truther. Look at you. Yeah, okay. It's about to get worse. Just buckle in, okay? Zeke Elliott was still a useful fantasy piece until he stopped being useful in the receiving game. Like Ezekiel Elliott, he went from actually great to bad but useful to actively bad. But we have seen several big, high pedigree, mediocre running backs churn out a lot of useful fantasy seasons. Leonard Fournette has been an extraordinarily successful fantasy running back for the entirety of his career, no matter how bad that we think he is, because he's large, he understands his assignments. And he catches passes. That, that's really all you need. You just need touches, size, pass catching. I, I think that Najee Harris has that. Um, and does, frankly, like I doesn't I'm, have I'm, the pass catching. This is this is the thing that people get wrong about Najee. He isn't a good pass catcher. He got a bunch of targets from Ben Roethlisberger once, and Alabama split him out wide a couple times or whatever, and people got all excited. He's never been a particularly efficient pass catcher. He dropped to zero point seven seven yards per hour on last year, which is bad. That's a straight-up bad number. He was at 0.97 as a rookie. Then he dropped. Since 2021, You know, since he entered the league, he ranks running back 33 in ESPN's receiver ratings. 
He is not an impressive receiver. And Jalen Warren was surprisingly impressive as a receiver last year. I, I think that it's actually it's the Zeke argument all over again because yeah, if he was Fournette, if he was going to soak up all the receiving stuff, I think you'd have a much stronger case. But the receiving stuff is a bright red, flashing red flag here. Like it's it's a real concern. And then you also have the rushing efficiency, which is really bad. I mean, to bring up Zeke again, the only running back who had a lower rush yards over expected last year than Najee Harris was Zeke. Uh, Leonard Fournette actually third worst last year. I mean. It's partly it's a kind of a rude thing to do to Harris because it's a, a volume metric and he did take a lot of volume, which we generally like. But he was racking up negative yards last year. He just I, I do think again, this is after a rookie year that was also very unimpressive. Um, I don't even have confidence that he's the best running back on the Steelers. And by the way, Jalen Warren, 215 pounds. He's not like a tiny little guy. Like if they were to just be like, let's make this a. A 1A, 1B. Najee's the 1A, but we're just going to split this up a little bit more. Death for Najee. He can't handle that because he's – I mean, unless unless the only out I see is that it really has just been injuries the last two years and that he is much more explosive than we've seen that's what the you, That's what the bag defenders say. They've been, yeah, I've been getting right. a lot of this on Twitter is that people are saying, actually, didn't yeah, you know fun, Najee yeah. Harris was injured last year? To which I say, this Frank injury. Ev- ev- everyone's injured all the time, bro. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that Najee's good. Like, I'm not going to say that Najee's good. I didn't think he was good as a prospect. I had him as RB3 in his class coming out. I didn't like him coming in as a rookie. I don't like him now. Um, I, experiencing the Leonard Fournette season in 2021 as a non-Leonard Fournette drafter and then experiencing the Josh Jacobs season in 2022 as a barely Josh Jacobs drafter it's, it's just, it's leaving me with a desire not to be too overconfident in my stances regarding running back talent translating to fantasy value. Like, and also just in my stance regarding running back talent, period. Like, I thought that Josh Jacobs was a relatively average NFL running back. And then last year, he performed as one of the best NFL running backs in the league. Like, not just in fantasy, but he was actually real life awesome. And I don't know that we had a whole lot of reason to believe that he was real life awesome prior to that in the data. I think it's That's unlikely true. that Najee Harris posts a Josh Jacobs-esque season. But I, Jacobs I was much better than Harris has been thus far. But I sure. agree that he was not – there was no reason to think he was going to be awesome. And he was borderline awesome in the, the efficiency last year. Yeah, like I – so I'm just, I'm just saying that I'm just open-minded to Najee Harris being good where there's a price that I'll take him. It's not like – he's not a target for me. I'm not like going out of my way to acquire Najee Harris. I am below ADP on Najee Harris. But – I think that the market has factored in a lot of the downward efficiency risk. Like Jalen Warren, like we're talking about an undrafted free agent who posted some fancy efficiency stuff on a bunch of draw plays. Like, I I just don't think that this guy is like a legitimate talent. If he's better than Najee Harris, that's because Najee sucks, which is entirely possible. But I just don't foresee Jalen Warren coming in and stealing his job the way that Tony Pollard did. I I just don't know that Jalen Warren is actually that level of talent. It's not about even stealing his job in most scenarios because this is the problem when a guy isn't very good, right? It's not that Jalen Warren's going to come in and take over the backfield and, you know, now you're you're in trouble as a Najee drafter in Dynasty. No, you're in trouble if Jalen Warren is able to carve out any slice of the backfield in a meaningful way because Harris has not shown 
any explosiveness dating back to Alabama. I mean, that was the big red flag coming out, right? right. Is that, like he had For no sure. runs over 20 plus yards. Like he's just a chunk play runner. Well, his success rate since entering the league has been poor in both seasons. So he's not even doing the chunk play thing, right? He's not consistent. He really has yet to, to flash anything. Harris hasn't flashed anything. So no, nah, dude, he had 14 targets <laughs> in that one game. Yeah. in that one game he had 14 targets. Yeah. Targets targets a, a stat that, you know, definitely reflects running back. Uh, all right i'm moving him down okay i'm moving him down i'm not the, moving him down to the 80s but the, yeah you don't have to move him to the 80s but in. i do want to let me defend joe warren a, a tad bit here which to the rushing efficiency i'll say is that he's bigger than you than you probably think right right he seems yeah. like in your head he's 205 but he's 215 so the rushing he was, a, he was a real workhorse his final season at oklahoma state yeah so he could he could be like a more of a problem for harris than just a satellite back but even as like a satellite back, uh, you know, undrafted free agent, this could be this could be just like a flash in the pan type of thing. But in ESPN's receiver ratings, he was tied with Austin Eckler for second behind Christian McCaffrey. He really impressed as a receiver as a rookie. Uh, he also had 1.24 yards per out run. That's probably closer to like a true reflection of his talent level, which is like a solid number, but not a great number. But again, Najee was horrendous last year at 0.77, 1.24 good good showing that's that's my main concern with Najee is that like we saw from his rookie year to his sophomore year a big a big decline in snap share right he was like one of the few guys getting absolutely every touch as a rookie he wasn't quite that guy last year I think he could fall to like you know the 60 percent range in a decent decent number of outcomes this season so and if he does like and it's, you it's better over. hope he yeah, was really over. hurt the last couple of years because he's he's not shown anything to be able to deliver. Well, those those two things are linked, right? Like Najee Harris is our first round pick. If if he comes out and it is just the injuries and he's good, then he's going to get an uh, he's going to get a million carries. Like it's it's not going to be a scenario where he's getting sixty percent of the workload and he's good. Like he's either going to be good, true. and he's going to get all the point. workload, or he's going to not be good. Like he's either going to get a big workload and be good. He's going to get a big workload and be not good or he's going to be not good and he's going to get a small workload. He's not going to get a small workload and be good. Like, if he's good, they're giving him carries. But I, I agree That's a good point. Then. Which gives you a payoff. Yeah. Because if he's good, he'll so, get carries. Yeah. So I moved him down. I, I agree with you on further reflection that there's not really any excuse to have him ahead of Nick Chubb. Um, and honestly, if you had asked me without looking at my sheet, if I had him ahead of Nick Chubb, I probably would have said no. Um, so that was a bad take. Uh I also moved him behind Kenneth Walker just because I don't even know. I think I need to move Kenneth Walker down too, but I'm, I don't know. He's so far behind ADP is buried. I moved him down to 66, um, which is a substantial drop. I moved him behind a couple of the tight ends, a couple of the quarterbacks, some of the wide receivers that I think have a higher payoff ceiling. And, and on, like, I think I, I balance like trying to be fair to Najee Harris's upside. It's just, the path to like 18 points per game just seems pretty clear, right? Which is that all you need is the Steelers to decide to give him enough work to get 18 points per game. Because he doesn't actually have to do anything to deserve 18 points per game beyond that, really. Like if he just absorbs carries and targets, he's going to score points. I mean, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. It's just that the lead, all the indications we have. Well, I mean, the another problem is that like Pickett is not throwing to the running backs at the same rate that Ben right. did. So like the big thing that worked for him as a rookie doesn't seem to be there. It's like, I just have seen this story before 
his name was Clyde Edwards Hilaire, which is that they tried to make it work. Yeah. And then in year three, they were like, we just can't, we can't do this shit anymore. In a weird, in a perverse way, it's actually a problem if the Steelers get better because then their offensive possessions are going to matter to them more and they're less likely <laughs> to just be like, let's just give this dude the ball. Like if they're kind of in it, in the division, that's where you see, I think, more Jalen Warren, actually. This is just, this is just totally vibesy, but I just think that like coaches never give players like Clyde and like DeAndre Swift, the benefit of the doubt. Like they see like a small little guy and they're just like, this guy can't hack it. And then if they do anything wrong, it just confirms their priors. Whereas players like Najee Harris get so much leash. Like, I, I just think. Let's be fair that, to the that Chiefs is, here. That uh, you are, you are, I didn't you are just up. do a couple things wrong. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not saying it. Che- I'm not saying Clyde is a victim. Like Clyde was properly punished for his ineptitude. <laughs> but I, I just think like Najee Harris will, will he he will get an undeserved leash. Like Le- Leonard Fournette has been actively detrimental for most of his career, and like continued to get chance after chance. He posted what like five RB one fantasy seasons. Like I, I guess he was I think cut, he was cut after his third year bit. by the Jaguars. But true, and um, another team said, yeah. "Come on in, Lenny. Win us the yeah. Super Bowl." Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think the the one thing you've sold me on the most is Najee's receiving ceiling being a little bit worse than than I think I had in my head. Um, because if, if he doesn't have that, then then you're right. Then he's, I don't know, who's like an example of like a bad running back who just gets carries. I well, guess maybe Dan, that's the problem. There's not that many bad running backs who only get carries. Right. There's usually good I, running backs who get a lot of carries. I, the guy, bad running backs Zeke, Zeke who can do the, everything. Yeah. The Lake guy crazy. I want to talk about is Damian Pierce. Because that's I what I was going like, to bring up. I feel like right. he's got such asymmetric upside in two ways. The first being if the team is is better than they were last year. If Bryce or uh, yeah, if if CJ Stroud is, let's say that CJ Stroud uh, ends up being as a rookie twenty percent better than Davis Mills because Davis Mills right. led the NFL in interceptions. He had a five point eight adjusted yards per attempt, seventy eight quarterback rating. I've honestly never seen a QBR in the thirties before. For a guy who played the entire season, but Davis Mills did. Uh, so let's give let's give CJ Stroud a 50 QBR, which is pretty bad. That is a lot better than the quarterback play they were getting last year. Um, Damian Pierce faded. I guess I guess theoretically he's still fading Kareem Hunt, you know, but pr- I mean, what's the difference between Devin Singletary and Kareem Hunt? I think Hunt? he's Probably protected by Singletary to an extent. I, I agree. I agree. And he was pretty good last year when he had any room to move. The issue was he very frequently did not have any room to move. I mean, he was like, there are, I mean, there are a lot of games in here, you, you know, 10 carries for eight yards, right? Like that was a real game that happened like this. These happened multiple times, but he was pretty good. And I think we have a lot of evidence that this Florida coaching staff that he played at when he was in college, like you go look at their roster and you're like, why was this dude not playing? Well, one, I think we gained a little bit of information on Malik Davis, who was looking pretty good in the NFL last year. That's who he was splitting carries with in the backfield. Uh, I also think we learned, like, uh, yeah, they just weren't playing Kadarius Tony for some reason, who is probably attitude-related, but he looks like a guy who, when he's on a field in the NFL, is pretty good. Just weird stuff. I think the... Evidence we have suggests Pierce is an above average quality running back in the NFL who was in one of the woat situations last year that you could ever possibly be in. 
And I don't think the upside of both him playing more on passing downs, they would take him off for like Rex Burkhead and shit last year. And the offense getting better. I don't think that's priced in at all. I think he's being traded by as like a Philip Lindsay ass running back. And I think he's probably better than that. I agree with everything that you said. I Damian Pierce, one of my favorite running backs to watch the NFL. I think he's real life. Hashtag good at football. There's a, a guy who does fantastic running back analysis, uh, Noah Hills at no more parties on Twitter, um, who has created a lot of these metrics that primarily measure running backs against other running backs in their backfield. Um, one of his metrics is the Bay rating, which is box adjusted efficiency rating and then relative success rate, um, which is based off of essentially how he's performing versus other running backs in his backfield overall. And then on a success rate basis, um, Tamian Hearses, Pierce's box adjusted efficiency rating last year was 166%, which means he's 66% better than all other Houston running backs. Um, and a relative success rate feels, of feels low. 7.4%, which is just insanely massive. Those are both like well over the 90th percentile. And similar to college, like he was a 10% plus relative success rate player in college, 118% um, Bay rating in college. He's always been a really effective runner. Uh, Dame, Devin Singletary has, has been fairly middling. And, and the nice thing too with Singletary is like he's not really a pass catcher. He's traditionally been quite a low yards per run running back. I, I think there's not like a, a good pass blocker though, I think, right? Like the, he, he might he's be a good snaps. pass blocker. Right. He's a good pass blocker. here's my only issue with Pierce. Like, yeah, I I think that how good he is is underrated just based off of how bad his environment was. And I understand that all the other running backs on Houston were total trash, but like it it went from, they were actually a pretty somewhat effective running team when they gave it to Pierce versus like they were the worst running team of all time when they gave it to anybody else. I think that shows how much work he was putting in. Only issue is I just don't know if Pierce is good at anything that really gets you a lot of fantasy points. Like I feel like Pierce is good at making good decisions and breaking tackles and turning four yard gains into five yard gains on loop, but he's probably like an unspecial pass catcher. I'm not gonna say he's a bad pass catcher, but I don't think he's like a great one. He graded out pretty poorly as a pass blocker. And we've never seen him sustain a full workload over a full season in college or the NFL. So, and then the offense is, is probably below average so it's just hard for me to sell myself on like on how this talent pays off to an elite fantasy ceiling because at least with Ramondre it's the it's it's the literal it's the Najee Harris argument it's that it's just that it's just that he plays a ton and the offense is better than it was last year but if I'm betting on a guy with low pedigree I would just rather bet on an archetype that's more fun than Najee Harris like I'm okay like I don't even really want to bet on Najee Harris, but at least he well, has the both pedigree. Davis and I are betting on Harris, uh, are betting on Pierce above Harris. We yeah. have we See, both have me, him ranked okay. above Harris. So to me, that's like too. I mean, and that's I love too. That's too. To that's way too IK running back okay, decisions. Yeah. That is too IKB for me. Like I, I think Damian Pierce is clearly a better running back than Najee Harris, but I just think that's a lot so of confidence in our talent take to do that where where i think not, it's not that much to get chances it's not that much confidence it's just like i just i mean so to me like you know with with best ball right there's been kind of this push to like factor in the market and let the kind of wisdom of the crowds help you make decisions which i think generally generally i agree with in dynasty though i want to be more focused on where the market is going and my feeling on Harris is like most people are kind of already out. It's sort of like we're waiting for everyone else just to be like, oh, this guy stinks. 
So like, I don't care. Like if I'm just avoiding a guy and just like this ADP is straight up terrible, I'm not touching it. Like that's, that's how I play dynasty. You know, like I, I think finding those broken ADPs and just avoiding them. And then my assessment is that I don't, I'm not as high on Pierce's Davis's. So I, I see it maybe a little bit less of the asymmetric upside, but I, I see it enough, you know, like he, he flashed some real talent. We're getting a rushing scheme here that generally creates efficient running backs. Offense might be scoring a lot more points. Devin Singletary is not a special talent. If Devin Singletary is a problem, and I draft a decent amount of Devin Singletary in best box. I'm like, maybe Pierce just isn't that good. Um, and he'll get, you know, plenty of carries, but that happens probably because Pierce disappoints more than Singletary does something like if Pierce is good, he has an opportunity here to emerge. And yeah, the pedigree is, is not really there. It's a low floor play, but if one of these guys is like really exciting and hot on the trade market after the year, I feel like it's Pierce. I mean, people got, people got very frothy about him in general when he started to break out last year. Like people were getting, people were getting really excited about him. Um, So I can see it. No, I, I like. I mean, I'm only four spots behind you, Pat. I think that it's it's just that even yeah. with my revised ranking, you're I think still 15 spots behind me on <laughs> Najee Harris. So it's not it's, it's not that formerly yeah, 31. I've got, spots. I've got some Najee thoughts for sure. You've got me halfway back to your position. You've got, you've got a full. I I actually Harris, raised him so. slightly. There you go. I had I I had him behind Derrick Henry and Hollywood Brown. I was like, that's probably a little too much. So the biggest the biggest upset in our rankings is that somehow you guys cheated and got lower on DeAndre Swift than me. I thought I was like 30 no, I, spots behind. Nobody DeAndre. just nobody has disliked DeAndre Swift more vocally and more aggressively for a longer period of time than I have. I don't think I I he, I, he stinks, I think Josh dude. Norris doesn't like. He's been pretty anti Swift. That's true. Know. That's true. Yeah. Norris and Winks. They, I I actually used to be pretty pro Swift, and then we turned really hard to anti Swift last off season they, they were out on swift like going into year two which which i was what's the what's the historical cause on running backs who get benched for justin jackson and traded for a fourth <laughs> round pick that the team that traded for him can get back in a compensation pick if they just let him rot on their bench what's the what's the range yeah. of outcomes there it's it's not great i mean deandre swift is like let, let's talk about him because his adp remains like it, it's coming down a little bit but he still goes in the sixth round um you can get such good football players after DeAndre Swift as Brandon Ayuk, Calvin Ridley, uh, Zay Flowers, uh, Jahan Dotson. Marcus these are real, these are real picks guys. here. This is this is legit. Real like players team that are valued picks. by NFL teams. Players that NFL teams want on their teams. Um, actually, yeah, it's. I mean, Swift is. Swift tilts me a lot because. Like I, I've been such an adamant like Tony Pollard truther, but I'm also I truther for a lot of running backs without a lot of draft capital that I think are legitimately good. Like I, I've always been very vocally for these guys. Like I've done it for Ramondre, for Khalil Herbert. And one of the pushbacks you always get with these running backs is like, oh, you know, especially Pollard was like, he's just getting these easy touches. He's just doing it against light boxes. You know, he's not actually a workhorse. Like he's not actually that talented. It's just inflated. And then to see DeAndre Swift like raised up as some sort of martyr, I was like, oh man, he's such an incredible talent. I can't believe Detroit would do this to him. And it's like, he's not. Detroit used him correctly last year. He's an explosive player. He's a good receiver. 
and he has glaring weaknesses. His success rate has, is terrible. It's always been terrible. It's terrible. It's always and, been terrible. Right. It's terrible, and it's always been terrible. And and he is light. He makes inefficient decisions. And you do look at his carries, and it's like, well, look at all of his effective rushing stats last year on net. And it's like, yeah, because in 2021, they fed him a bunch of grinder carries. He sucked across the board as a rusher in 2021. In 2022, they gave him a bunch of tendency-breaking carries, outside runs, out of shotgun. They used him almost exclusively against light boxes. And then his numbers looked really good overall, despite a bad success rate, because he was put in more advantageous positions. And so a higher percentage of his carries ended up being big plays. He's a useful NFL player, but like he's actually the guy that people say that the Tony Pollard is, where he's actually just the explosive fancy player instead of the all-around running back which is fine if you're Philly and you're spending a fourth round pick to acquire him and probably getting a fifth round pick back um, as a comp pick when you let him walk. It's, it, it's just, it's maddening to me. I think that people see him as this like incredible talent that's been hard done by in the NFL when he's actually been given several opportunities to succeed that he didn't take advantage of and has then been used in a tailored role to his skill set. I, I think he's a role player. He is a role player. Good role. He's a role player. Yeah. What I would say, too, I mean, so he's going, I'm looking at some of the ADP here, and, you know, he's going in Dynasty at a similar price to his redrafted best ball ADP. Um, and to me, that's like right there. That makes no sense. This yeah, is I'm actually guy, drafting him in best ball a little bit. Sure. Yeah, I am, too. Yeah. Okay, and he falls. I'm not like, he's not like a big target for me, but when he falls no. past ADP and I can scoop him or I need a running back, I'm excited to right. draft him. I'll take I'm him. I like, take him on some Hurts teams too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I yeah. love doing that. So I'm not like out on his, you know, but his chances of turning in a really good season. I mean, he's behind the PFF just put out their offensive line rankings. Eagles still number one, you know, obviously yeah. you're going to have a, a tough time stopping an explosive runner and receiver. I mean, he is, he's not just, an explosive receiver. He is an explosive runner. 100%. He just is always looking for the home run and he never does what, what is asked of him. That might actually work in, in Philadelphia. It might work if Rashad Penny gets banged up, which is, you know, probably unfortunately going to happen. Then he could, there could be a lot of carries there and you know, he could be a really fun spike week type of player. But if you think about the two formats, best ball is the one where you really, really want to prioritize ceiling. And Dynasty is the one where we care more about floor, future value. You know, what's a bad season going to do to this asset? What are what are DeAndre Swift Dynasty buyers even hoping? Like, are they hoping he stays on the Eagles? Are they hoping they're, he gets? They're hoping for that same to- that same ceiling outcome, but the payoff isn't even necessarily like as big as it is in best ball, right? Like the the yeah. single season outcome in best ball could win you a ton of money in Dynasty, like. Does he even get re-signed? Like, what do you you? It's just I, not... I really don't know what you're hoping for, Dynasty. Right. I think it's just there's just such a divide between, I think, how NFL teams view DeAndre Swift and how fantasy managers view DeAndre Swift. Like, it's just you never you just... never want to be in on the the fantasy manager side of that. You really don't. Like, if you if you just think of it in a vacuum and you forget the names attached and you look at what Philly did, right? And you just think of like, what if this is how they attacked the linebacker position, right? It is kind of how they attack, right? It's like TJ Edwards, they lose him in free agency. And like I, Howie Roseman probably views running backs and linebackers kind of the same, where it's like low value positions that, you know, we're going to try and attack in creative ways to get decent value out of. 
It's like, we lost Miles Sanders in free agency. Cool. You know, we, we can, we're going to do it in our system. All right. We have Kenny Gainwell, who's like a decent enough player that we're paying very little money. Oh, we'll take an interesting shot on Rashad Penny for almost no money. Um, he's provided some good value. And then, yeah, sure. We'll send a fourth round pick to the Lions for DeAndre Swift and maybe get a comp pick back. Why not? Like they're just taking shots to assemble, you know, a bunch of usable pieces for their backfield and going to see how it works out. Like I, it's not like DeAndre Swift comes in, I don't think, as like their preordained answer to the running back position. I don't think that they think that they need to have an answer to the running back position. He's, he's the most fantasy friendly of the three. You know, maybe he's even the best of the three, like overall. I think probably Penny provides the most value for touch, but um, it's just like if he walks to free agency next year, like let's say he has like a median season this year, right? And he, he pays off his best ball ADP, but he's not like a smash hit or whatever. Like, I just think he's going to get like a two-year, $8 million contract with someone and people are going to lose their minds. Like, like I, I just don't think that he's valued as like some incredible talent. I think he's a really useful player. But I don't think the Eagles landing, like the Eagles landing spot is really good for him from a real life perspective. Like you said, Pat, about the good offensive line, him being an explosive runner, him being an explosive pass catcher. Not great from a fantasy standpoint. I, I would much rather 61 have... 61 total targets to running backs last year. Yeah, yeah. I would much rather have Devin a chain in Dynasty than DeAndre Swift. Like, much rather. I think I have them pretty similar. I, I have Swift ahead of a chain, but I don't... I don't have a, a chain's. I feel, I feel like a chain's bad cases are like he becomes this bit player oh, that we're expecting Swift to be. Jacob just breathed this sigh of relief to realize he had a chain ahead and I'm the lone person who doesn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I didn't even love like a chain and like rookie drafts and stuff, but like, I don't care about this Dalvin cook stuff at all. Really? Which for dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. Dalvin cook. You're right. I should should have a chain ahead. Dalvin cook is Jeff Wilson jr. To a chain for dynasty purposes. I I hope that Dalvin cook goes to Miami because uh, I have not been able to draft that much. Devin a chain in my rookie drafts. Um, just because he keeps keeps going like so so highly, so it'd be nice yeah. to get get into him after Cook. But I don't know. I feel like we're just beating up on DeAndre Swift, the poor guy. But um, I do but just draft him in best ball. Value. Like you yeah, don't exactly. have to. Exactly. Dynasty is a very specific form of fantasy football, and I think there's there's ways to attack the format. And Swift does not really fit those ways. And look, he could fit those ways if he had an ADP of like 120 in Dynasty, and you know he's like then he would be Antonio five. Yeah, then you're like, okay, I'm in. I'm getting you know the mark. This market is giving me a huge discount, but it's not. It's treating him as if as if he's the same play in Dynasty. He's a worse play in Dynasty. The floor is much worse. So just he's a he's a a year to year bet. If you like this year's setup, draft him in a yearly format. I agree with that. And I probably will be roughly with, or maybe even over the market in best ball. Um, we're, we're running a little low on time here, running quickly to the next tier. Um, we'll do this as a rapid fire. There's this like group of young running backs who we're not particularly sure if they're any good, but they are going to um, potentially get a chance to lead their backfield this year. And they're all kind of going at the same range. Uh, and that would be Rashad White, Isaiah Pacheco, Cam Akers, James Cook. If you had to pick one of these guys, I'll throw Alexander Madison in here too, even though he's not actually that young. Um, if you were to pick any of these guys to go out and buy, who would you pick? Or you can answer nobody if that's your answer. 
these all feel like particularly bad buys. I guess depending on the context uh, of your team, uh, generally speaking, rebuilding teams are not buying day three capital running backs, right? Like it just doesn't feel like a wise way. And if you're a winning team, if you're a team that can win this year, couldn't you just get Joe Mixon who like projects for way more median points. So it's like, it's like, these are, this is why dynasty is so fascinating because there, there's such a middling of like, we all expect these guys to score points. They all go much higher in redraft than they do in dynasty. But like due to the, the changing nature of the NFL, like you, three of these guys could be out of football in two years, you know, or, or they could be, they could, these guys could all be Isaiah Crowell, like so fast. It's, it's uh, unbelievable. I would say the one that has the best ability to carve out a role where he's like a, uh, you know, he becomes Najee Harris, like he's like a trap back next year, would be Rashad White, where the Buccaneers are a little bit better than we expect. They don't really use any of these other shitty running backs they have. He gets like 70% of the running back touches. Uh, actually kind of like how Cam Akers has been viewed, where Akers has been People have loved Acres and they've hated Acres and they yeah. loved Acres and then Acres yeah. was going to get released or traded and then actually he was the lead back. Well, like I could see White going on. There. Well, you just you just named him. That's the guy I'm going to pick, and it's begrudgingly. Like I think I just I need to just reevaluate how I view Cam Acres. Like I I liked Cam Acres coming out. I was very excited about him coming off his rookie year. Till these happened, he like retained way too much value going into that offseason. I sold all my shares and, and I feel like I was like so happy that I made like what seemed like a really good choice of like cashing him out at round one pick value and then watching his value plummet that I just like refused to accept that he might have a comeback. Um, he seems like a pretty decent bet in terms of we just kind of talked about with Najee Harris where it's like he's big, he can theoretically play every down. And he has the pedigree. Like Cam Akers did have a game of 100% of the snaps last year. He does have the pedigree. And the Rams offense is probably not going to be that bad. Like it's, it's fragile, but Stafford's going to play. Cooper Cup's going to play. And that's, that's probably the guy that I, I might be willing to bet on. And, and the nice thing you get with Akers too, I'm going to probably move him up. I don't have him ranked very highly. I'm going to have to move him up. Davis has is by far the highest i was i, I was enjoying acres. hanging out with you down there in the the cam Akers fade zone I'm, I'm sad to see you go i think i'm gonna be joining davis a little maybe not quite up at, at 80 plus but i guess the thing that gets me about acres is like what if it comes out week one that's and has 95% that's too, of that's the snaps and all of a sudden uh like he now goes in the fifth round I, yeah but it's his fourth I'm year of his rookie get... deal he yeah i mean he's a, to me he's another best ball play like it okay he the second yeah, round pick true. right there's probably they're not going to re-sign him, right? I mean, they they talked about how they're kind of retooling the roster. I mean, yeah, it's just a it's a best. You know what this? Today. You know what this exercise is kind of. I think I need to realize. draft him more in best ball. Is maybe what I'm talking myself into. It's less that I need to draft more in dynasty. There's about 50 good players in dynasty, um, mm-hmm. and then Brandon. and then a bunch of dudes who are completely interchangeable. And I wonder. Uh, I haven't, you know, I'm not old enough to know this, but I wonder if like 10 years ago, that same thing would have been true or if teams and contracts were more straightforward and guys stayed in their roles for longer. Uh, and if this is like a a new NFL thing where it's like, you got to pay your quarterback a billion dollars. So everyone else becomes more replaceable to some degree. Um, but it is like, I mean, we got to running back 20 and I was like, I wouldn't trade a second round pick for this guy. 
the best thing that you can do in your dynasty startup, in my opinion, is before we really get into the draft, trade like trade like your your fifth and your sixth round pick back down to like an eighth and a ninth round pick and see what that can get you in terms of moving up and getting a second first round pick. Because I don't think you're going to like the guys that you draft in the eighth all that much less than the guys that you're going to draft in the fifth. And if you can leverage those fairly fungible distinctions to go get yourself a Lamar Jackson and a Jamar Chase or two elite quarterbacks or whatever mm-hmm. else, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing that. That's what I'm really trying to do because it does get super flat where it's like, you get the elite quarterbacks, then you get the really fun young running backs and wide receivers. You get that line of the Yvette elite studs. And then it feels like it's like seven rounds of just like generic starters. And then it's backups. But like I, the it gets really flat from like round five, six, even into round like nine, ten. We're talking about guys that we have ranked over 100 at this point. Um, yeah. yeah. Really I'll, quick. Let me go, son. Oh, go for it. Well, on the same, I'll just co-sign Rashad White real quick. Mm. Um, I think you, you know, I, he did not have a good year as a rusher. Um, he, he really didn't, and that's a problem. But I do think we've got a situation here where you have a second year back who was a really strong receiving prospect, who was actually yeah. pretty good as a receiver. wasn't great, but he was pretty good as a receiver as a rookie. Earned uh, Tom Tom Brady's trust to be out there on, uh, you know true passing down situations, pass blocking situations. Uh, so I think someone they're going to trust in the receiving game this year, I feel very confident about that. Um, what I don't feel as confident is that they'll actually treat him as like a true workhorse. But I mean, he is a second year back. So there's a payoff here. If he That's is true. a workhorse, I mean, you're going to you're gonna make out like a bandit at this current price. Like it, You get him in like pick 90. Um Again, this is another situation where you look at the best ball market. He's going about the same as he is in best ball. But here in Dynasty, you have the chance to to resell this guy after a good productive season. You don't get many opportunities like that at running back. A running back hits, and then you sell for more than you Mm -hmm. paid. That's rare. And so White gives you a a rare opportunity. We can quibble about how likely it is that that happens. Um, I I tend to be a little bit bullish on White because of the receiving – prospect profile that i really liked but um the the point is that if you do get the season then you get a big resell payoff which i just find very appealing yeah i'm I'm inclined to agree with that like i was really out on white in the early off season at his cost because i just thought he wasn't very good and that he was at pretty high risk of getting spiked in the draft or in free agency but now that that's done and they have probably one of the worst running back two through fours of any team in the NFL, like, yeah, it's, it's his, all of a sudden his path becomes very, very clear. And, and like you said, the cost is pretty palatable. So I, I've been, I was really into white as a prospect, quite out on him early off season. I'm, I'm warming back up to the idea really quick. If you had to buy an old veteran running back, who would, who would be your buy? Joe Mixon. That's a good one. Joe Mixon, yeah. Joe Mixon scores. Uh, Joe Mixon doesn't get arrested, doesn't get suspended, doesn't get cut. How many uh, PPR points this year? I mean, probably like 17 a game. Yeah. Yeah, like and, probably and you 250. Could, you, could trade, you could trade some of your shittiest picks and players for Joe Mixon right now. I mean, straight oh, I up. Like, go, I just saw him go for a 25 second. 
Like, bro, come on. Wow. That's that that's wow. like picking twenty five second and Jeff Wilson to be that's like picking up nickels. That's like picking up nickels off the street. I mean, it's not glorious work, but someone's going to do it. And it feels bad because Joe Mixon's like probably a dickhead. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, he's, look, a, there is... he's a bad person and he's bad at football, but he's good at scoring fantasy points. Yeah. So there's going to be there's there's and you you're you're picking up you're picking up a little bit of tail risk, uh, but he would definitely be the one. I also think I mean, you guys are both going to disagree with this, but if Kamara serves a three game suspension, if that's what ends up happening to him and you can get him for like literally nothing. I've seen, I've seen him being traded for like, I I think in crane, one of our leagues, I believe someone traded the three Oh eight for, for Alvin Kamara's services. Um, I'm actually the highest on Kamara among us. Although we're all like in the same realm. Like Kamara, Kamara could retire tomorrow and you're still winning trading the 308 for him, given that you could get a Kamara season. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I bought some Kamara this offseason. I sent two seconds and I got Geno Smith and Alvin Kamara, which like I would probably just send two seconds for Geno. So I felt like that felt pretty free to me. I'm I'm definitely I'm in on all these guys. Like you made the great point, Davis, right? Like a lot of these younger guys already don't have any insulation. So like if you need a running back, like trading for Isaiah Pacheco is kind of a half measure when you can just I, trade. I traded, I traded, I did this trade in two leagues actually where I had shitty firsts I didn't want to make. Uh, one of them I traded a shitty first and George Pickens for Geno Smith and Jared Goff. Another one I traded the 109, I think, for Damian Pierce and Isaiah Pacheco. Like, I just like that's, I think that's, and I probably lose that trade in the long run, but I get some points. Um, but I, I, I much prefer trading assets. I'm not in love with just to get the running back points when I realize right. I need them versus trying to like prospect and mine for them. You know what I mean? Like just buy the, the realized asset. Uh, can I interest you in a round 11, James Connor? No. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Davis. <laughs> that that that's I would rather that's I would, where you draw I, the line. That's where what, you I mean, draw the line. What's the fucking point? What are you hoping to accomplish there? Like that he does what he just did last year. But he's playing with Clayton Toon now. He played with Colt McCoy for half of last year. Hey, you know, Colt McCoy, professional quarterback. <laughs> he might be playing with Colt McCoy again. He's probably better with Colt McCoy than like I I don't know if like James Conner is is like canned meat. Right, like he does better in in inferior environments. Like he thrives. Wait, is this like a Canadian reference? What are you talking about? Can meat does better in inferior environments. What does this mean? Okay, like have you never heard like inferior goods, like the economics term? It's like Uh, so, like a nor. There's like normal goods and there's inferior goods, right? So it's like in good economic times, like for instance, like steak, right? Like steak is a normal good. Like the better the economy is doing, the more people buy steak. The worse the economy okay. is doing, the less people gotcha. buy steak. Gotcha. But like click is an inferior good. So it's like the better the economy is doing, the less people are buying click and spam. But like if the economy is tanking, the fuck is sales click? are stonks are up. I have no idea click what click is. What is click? It's spelled K L I K. Google it right now. It's oh, like it's like K-L-I-K. me. You like pop a little tab and you like can spoon it in. It's like really gross. Okay, I mean that makes sense. Okay, I know sure. you won click, two million dollars. You don't have to buy click. <laughs> for the I rest of us, man, the people here. Huh? For the rest of us, humble servants. <laughs> the rest of us, to you guys are eating click. click now. 
<laughs> I mean, in Joe Biden's economy, or I guess I'm in Justin Trudeau's economy. Justin Trudeau's economy. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, James, mean Connor, James Connor James thrives Connor in adverse quick. environments. Like he just collects yeah, James Connor eight dump offs quick. for 30 yards. Yeah, it's a good, like it's it. a good bit. It's a good bit. Um, I'll Ooh. say, let me just one point to circle back to white. Uh, if the whole thing I said about like his trade buying stuff, do trade him in the offseason. Don't write out another uh don't write out another NFL draft and free agency period right, right after no, the no. season. If you if you win right after the season, don't fall in love. Rashad um, White also could be a pretty good click uh type of player. Yeah. Like I can see him racking up a lot of inferior kids points. A hundred percent. Yeah. Total spam player there. Um <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't <laughs> say click because I'm in. I like until I see a picture of this. I'm not gonna say it. I'm just tweeting um, it out right now. <laughs> Rashad Penny is uh, is a guy oh, yeah. I'll mention. Oh uh, yes, because you can win. This this is a spot where you can win. Yeah, like and, and again, like compare the two markets, right? Rashad Penny is like what a tenth, eleventh round pick in best ball. Yeah, he's you know he's going outside the top one fifty picks in dynasty. And why? Because he's a year-to-year injury risk play. Like, I, yeah, I know. Like, I know. You know. But you're getting you're getting the discount. So in Dynasty, like, if I had to pay the exact same for Rashad Penny, wouldn't be as interested because I'm like, what, is he going to be worth anything after the year? It's just an upside play. I'll play that in best ball. But if you're getting, you know, like a forty pick discount or something, yeah, sure. Like then then that feels good. And what like. If Penny crushes this year, couldn't he be the one who gets re-signed by the Eagles? Couldn't he right. be on another one-year deal? Deal. He's the he's the better fit for this offense than Swift mm-hmm. in some ways. I mean, he he actually does have a good success rate. He's explosive and he hits the right hole. He sits a total zero in the passing game. If I had two players, they're both explosive rushers. One is a good receiver and one is a consistent rusher and I'm putting them on the Eagles offense, I would take the one who's a consistent rusher. I would trade the receiving to get the consistency because that's what's going to better fit this offensive environment. And in Dynasty now, you're getting DeAndre Swift going at his best ball ADP, basically. But Penny, this massive discount, and was already the cheaper of the two in best ball, just feels like kind of a an easy way to play it. I agree. And uh, I honestly, I love the, I love the future, like the post 2023 element. Another guy I was going to bring up in the same round, um, kind of a similar best ball ADP versus dynasty ADP is Samaj P. Ryan, um, but probably way less future payoff on, on P. Ryan not, uh, I mean, than any, but I'm still totally fine. Oh yeah. I'm very into that. Yeah. And then one, one guy that I do like kind of stashing, like we were talking about it with these tight ends um, a couple episodes ago about guys you can just kind of buy in on. Um, I, I, I like Elijah Mitchell right now where he's going as a guy that, I mean, in managed leagues in dynasty, right? Like you want a guy that you know when to start, uh, and Mitchell is good at football. I think he has a couple outs. He can be kind of like Madison, except Mitchell's a lot better football than Madison, I think, but where you had Madison is like, okay, you're going to, at the worst, you're investing a very limited resource into a guy who is going to be an immediate start every time cook is out. And you also have some upside of like what happens post cook. And it, he, he rolls, you know, three cherries on that one with Mitchell. Like that's a guy, I think if I'm a smart team, I would target Elijah Mitchell when he comes up for free agency. Like I, I think that guy can play. And you also have the upside of he's coming up for free agency when Christian McCaffrey is 29. Like what if the San Francisco 49ers just decide like, Oh, we're going to be the team that signs Elijah Mitchell to that next contract. 
And in the meantime, I, I think you're well, just the, the problem storing is, them is on that the Elijah bench Mitchell and then keeping them. Just becomes the next rando 49er, right? Yeah, that's very possible. Like he, he but, like Elijah Mitchell is Raheem Mostert, who was Carlos Hyde, who was, I mean, uh, the, the, it, Tevin Coleman. You know, I, I mean, hate to say him, it, but a, a prime candidate to be a remember that guy. Yeah. It's, oh, if yeah. I had if I had to pick someone we brought up who was a remember that guy, it'd be like, do you remember when Elijah Mitchell was like who you needed in in FFPC in in twenty twenty one? Then we never heard from him again. I mean, the only thing I'll say in Mitchell's defense is last year. I like year, Mitchell. I like Mitchell. It's like, just sort of the NFL. This, the way oh, I mean, it's. I'm yeah. not saying he's like a high probability bet, but he's going in like pick 140, pick 150 yeah. range. I think I think it's telling about Mitchell that when it was when he was out, they were like, we're giving McCaffrey every carry. And then as soon as Mitchell was active, it's like now we're doing a carry split thing. Like they clearly view Mitchell mm-hmm. as like a much higher caliber player uh, than like TDP, Jordan Mason, whatever the other t- poo-poo platter is like. Even after they went and got McCaffrey, they were like, we still want to find ways to get this guy involved. Um, and I think that they're right to do that. Like, I think he's, he's a solid NFL player. Um, any, other, uh, any other takes here before we head off? I think we're, we're now just over the two-hour mark. Um, I mean, I would, still- trade, I would trade fourth-round picks for Jalen Warren, but the people who have Jalen Warren probably like him. Huh. So it's like, that's why oh. it's, it's – no. this is why running backs, it's so easy to just be like, you could you could you could get Smash Piran right now for like literal nothing. The the crumbs in your pockets and like Smash Piran probably scores like 170 PPR points this year. Oh, I mean, if I I'll pull it up. My like at all times, my like most rostered list on my running on my like Dynasty Planet exposure is just the grossest running backs imaginable. Like I'm looking at mine right now. It's like my most rostered player is Jarek McKinnon. After that, it's Samaj P. Ryan. Chillin Warren is in my top 10. Deonta Foreman is in my top 10. Like, people, you just, that's, I mean, if you're in a startup, like, I would say 80% of my picks round 13 and later are just backup running backs. And then, you know, you don't have to spend the fifth round pick on the Nick Chubb and you can just draft your wide receivers. I do receivers. love the Samaj P. line. That is a, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that, that is for the people. That's that's been a long running bit, uh, two year running, I guess. Where basically my take is at a certain point of wide receiver, you just don't want to roster them anymore. Like you don't like what? Why are we rostering like Devonte Parker? Like what's what's that ever going to do for you? Why are we rostering yeah. Paris Campbell? Like there's just different no different in best in ball. Obviously, league. you you yeah, need right. you need guys like that in best ball. They actually but, pick up a little bit of value. Exactly, but in a managed format, like you just don't need any wide receiver that isn't either going to be in your lineup or is a rookie or a year two player. Like if they're year three and plus, and they're never going to see your lineup, you just don't need that player. Cut them for whatever, cut them or trade them for whatever is the least expensive, most available running back with like a theoretical handcuff ceiling. And like that had been some AJP Ryan going into last year, just because it didn't pay off the year prior. Um, so I had referred to this as the Samaje P line, but uh not sure. Not sure who the new who to name it after now that Samaj P line is a round nine best ball pick. Yeah, <laughs> our little boy is all grown up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Jer- and now Jerome Ford's skyrocketing up. He would have been. Yeah, that was one. I, all of like the guys that I was bumping up in the Discord all off season were Jerome Ford and Ty Chandler, which I guess pat on the back for me, but. It's left me with very, very precious few running backs to uh, to go after at this point. Um, I'm like Can I, a week away from hyping up Zach Moss. Oh God, uh, <laughs> is he still on? Yeah, 
Is he still yeah, he's Colts? going to be the backup running back for the Colts. Like if and if Jonathan Taylor sprains his ankle, wow. Zach Moss will be in your lineups and in your hearts. So let me. All right, after Zach Moss, I actually feel quite uh, comfortable bringing up one one last name <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, this isn't a veteran guy, but he is in the the gross veteran mold in our hearts. Uh, I, I want to give a little love to Brian Robinson, who oh. is a second year running back, who immediately carved out a role despite being shot in the leg this guy came in from a gunshot wound and still took over the backfield from antonio gibson yeah you guys keep coming back to that yeah it seems important right it seems important and i mean the other thing about brian robinson is he gets he gets kind of crap as is not being efficient at 3.9 yards per carry last year but he got shot in the leg well, also Antonio Gibson had 3.7 yards per carry last year. Yeah, but and the vibes, the Antonio Gibson vibes, though, you, you got to do the vibe check on Gibson, which is that he seems like he has more yards per carry than that. And, and he does Antonio Gibson like is it. another tautological talent like DeAndre Swift. It's like he's talented because he's talented. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and look, I mean, I draft Robinson. It's fine. Robinson was, uh, I, I, even at this point, I think Gibson's pricey in best ball because he's going ahead of Robinson, but Robinson right. is uh, consistent as a rusher. He's going to be kind of a chunk play runner, but he, you know, his success rate was actually pretty good last year. He faced a lot more eight man boxes than Gibson last year. Um, if the offense takes a step forward and they don't pass a ton more to the running backs, which would help Gibson. But if they just like are scoring more points, they're in, you know, scoring position more often. I think Robinson's probably still the the guy at the goal line over Gibson. Oh, certainly. So there is a bit of a payoff and there's a bit of a, Oh, this guy doesn't suck. And guess what? He's entering his third year in 2024. So I don't have to worry that, you know, if I trade for Brian Robinson after the season, after he showed a little something, it's still probably pretty cheap to do so. And you're not like worried about what happens after the year. Cause he's still going to be on his rookie deal deal, even in 2025. So, you know, these second year backs, that the market has decided are bad can offer, not like massive wins, but definitely some some wins. I mean, David Montgomery after his his rookie year, we were like, this guy sucks. Well, he did suck. David Montgomery sucks, but he didn't suck quite as bad as we thought. And so, if you're going to make the Najee Harris type of play, where it's like the market's overconfident right. in talent, I would prefer it to be in that second year, where then entering the third year, people will talk point. themselves into the guy <laughs> like Jacobs doing now with Najee Harris, and you know you can sell it to to this. Sucker. I've never been gaslit. <laughs> I already, I already bent the knee. I was already below 80. I know. I started just the recording. I'm, I'm now 18 <laughs> picks behind ADP. Um, I've bent the yeah. knee. I'm, I, I've, I've been thinking about Najee and, and I've thought against it. But I do think, I think, you know, I, of course, I'm being a total asshole right now, but I think <laughs> the, uh, the point of like these third year backs, people are still kind of, kind of in if the projections support them. So if you go just go one year earlier and say, who is the market? think is horrendously gross is a second year back but maybe they're not quite as gross as people think then you know there's there's a chance for we're talking about singles here not not even doubles or triples yeah. but definitely definitely a fair point um i've got to run here uh quick because we got pltc uh bar exam class starting up here in 10 minutes on the west coast but it's uh it's been a pleasure are we gonna do two more episodes now we got to do a tight end quarterback and we have a mailbag to do so probably two more. I'm out of town next week, so the pe- you guys can either do quarterbacks and tight ends without me, or wait for me to get back. I don't care. We'll but. we'll figure that out in the uh, in the chat. But 
been a pleasure as always. Davis, where can people find your uh, your services? They can uh, watch Sports Grid. They can listen to Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. They can listen to the Takecast, or they can subscribe to the Takecast Patreon. And Pat, outside of joining drafts where you're forced to draft Calvin Ridley in the second round, where can people find everything that you're doing? <laughs> yeah, quite quite an episode of ship chasing last <laughs> night. Um, uh, legendaryupside.com. You can still get $30 off your first year. Legendaryupside.com slash early. Um, I do have like a few underdog credits left as well. Uh, you can get a $50 underdog credit right now. You sign up and fill out a form. I need you, I need you to fill out that form so I can send your username over to underdog. Uh, that'll be in the description of the pod on, on my feeds. Um, and yeah, doing, uh, I've mentioned some success rate stuff a bunch of times. I've got a, a big article coming out, probably just breaking into two parts at this point. Um, looking at the NFL next gen success rate um, and what it says about some of these, uh, you know, sneaky underperformers like Brian Robinson and some of the guys that are quite poor. Nice. Uh, I think that's, I think that's like, I've been a, a really underutilized tool in, in running back analysis for a while. Um, and that sounds fantastic. And then, um, yeah, you can find my stuff on thinking about thinking just released a, another best ball article this week, uh, over there. I made the case for some of my uh, top guys in the top 100 that I'm building my portfolio around, including Tony Pollard, who we talked about extensively today, um, as well as J.K. Dobbins, who we literally did not say mm. his name on this podcast, but um, you can read more about it on Thinking About Thinking, I suppose. Um, and yeah, we'll be back uh, with one or two more episodes on this. So pleasure as always, and we will see you next time. Thank you for